what we've got here is failure to communicate. Nine times. Mr. Brown. Mr. White. You know, for kids. Mr. Blonde. Mr. Blue. Mr. Orange. Mr. Pink. Why am I Mr. Pink? I see dead people. 1.21. Their obsession. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. No, I'm just getting warmed up. Their words. I'll ask you again. Did I urinate on your rug? I drink your milkshake. Someone else's movie. I'm a god. You're a god. I'm a god, not the god. Directors, screenwriters, actors, and film fanatics record feature-length audio commentaries for the films that changed their life. I want you to get up now. How come Andrew gets to get up? That's right. If he gets up, we'll all get up. It'll be anarchy. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not gonna take this anymore! That's the sidetrack. Do you think you're out of tune? Consequence Podcast Network. I don't want to scare anyone, but I'm going to give it to you straight about Jason. His body was never recovered from the lake after he drowned. And if you listen to the old timers in town, they'll tell you he's still out there, some sort of demented creature, surviving in the wilderness, full grown by now. Some folks claim they've even seen him right in this area. From the cold, chilly cabins of Camp Crystal Lake to outer space, we are Halloweenies! Greetings and welcome to the season premiere of Halloweenies. A Jason Voorhees podcast, I guess it kind of still is, right? We, we, we work like TV series work, whereas, you know, there's always a cliffhanger at the end of every season. And then the season premiere, we wrap things up. And that's what we're going to do today. We're going to wrap up the Friday the 13th series. We're going to be ranking all 12 Friday the 13th films. And to top it off, to make it an even, or should I say an uneven 13, of course, we're going to be talking about The Irishman and where it falls into our <laughs> rankings as we also retire the bit, this is the this is the end. It's been a, it's been a solid uh, ten months of Irishman jokes, but you know every season we have to start off fresh. So we will naturally see what comes up over the next nine months. I'm sure people will accidentally quote quote unquote accidentally force some bits into the into existence, but we'll see what happens. We, we like to act naturally, or as George Harrison once sang, mm. or or is that Ringo? That was Ringo Starr. That was Ringo. Just I apologize, Ringo. Peace and uh, love, the, peace the and cute, love. The cute one. The, <laughs> the cute, cute one. one. The cute one. Richard Starkey. Speaking of Richard Starkey, let's talk about some more stars that we've got on this episode. Uh, <laughs> let's start off uh, on my screen. He doesn't just wear sunglasses at night. He wears them in the late hours of the morning. And who is that? This is Mike, the Irishman Vanderbilt. <laughs> wow. Right. A teaser. <laughs> live from the south side of Chicago. Mm. No crippling hangover today, but... There really should be one, so I'm a little bit concerned. You should start drinking now, and then maybe by the end of this, you'll have you'll start having the hangover. I'll be right back. That's a good idea. Oh, <laughs> sounds good. 
And then a Maestrin, at least. The, uh, the, uh, the maestro of the Consequence Podcast Network. <laughs> uh, ah, maestro. maestro. Uh, he's speaking right now. Who is this? Uh, this is Michael Myers Rothman. Going to keep it in Haddonfield while we're sticking it in uh, Camp Crystal Lake. Uh, I'm looking at my boy. It? I don't know what that means, but uh, you know, so it's we're early putting morning. it to Camp Crystal Lake. Yeah, we're putting it to Camp Crystal Lake because this is it. We're 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 uh, we're, we're kicking the uh, what is it? Kicking the barrel? I don't know. I, I, I'm all out of idioms uh, this morning, but uh, we're waving farewell to Camp Crystal Lake. But let's just say my heart is still in Haddonfield. Oh, that's very sweet. And so is Michael's and his soul, apparently, according to the, cur- the cult of Thorn. Um, on the third of my screen, speaking of Michael Myers, he dressed as Dr. Sam Loomis 10 years ago. He committed to the bit and shaved his head. Who is that? This is Dan Nee Steinman, uh, director of <laughs> the, 13th, Stone. the final chapter. Danny Stone. Capri. Well, Dan, Dan, we appreciate all of your work, quote unquote, in the new beginning. I'm looking forward to talking about that. I'm sorry, the new beginning. I'm looking forward to talking. Oh, about did I say that. final chapter? Oh man, oh man, why? I, I wish I hadn't uh, gone with you him. You just said I'm Dan Josito. And then that I know. I, I was just looking. Honestly, I just had Wikipedia up. The, I always mix up the directors <laughs> for it. So I, yeah, bad, bad joke for a bad movie, in my, in my opinion. Well, we'll talk about that in a little bit. Yeah. And and to top it off, we've got at the top of my screen. He's still leaning back in his chair because of uh, certain. Pulled muscles like uh, a la Mason Verger Spinal and injury. Ridley Scott's Hannibal, written <laughs> by Th- based on the book by Thomas Harris. Who is that? This is Wolfman. I'm just talking to dogs, Mac Gerber. Uh, and uh, I, I will be uh, mentioning a little bit about the talking to animals bit in, the, mm. in this final wrap up as, as we retire. You should have that, ranked that the animal well. talkings. That, that's maybe that'll be a bonus episode. Yeah, yeah, that might be a bonus. <laughs> I don't know if I introduce myself. No. I should probably do that, right? Well, I'm uh, Justin Joseph Zito Gerber. <laughs> I'm looking forward to talking about the uh, missing in action director's work uh, on the Friday Thirteenth series. As uh, Mike, if you if you had to rank the three Mike Vanderbilt, if you had to rank the three Mission Impossible films, what, what, what do you think? Yeah, Braddock coming at the tail end. Where are they are called ta- Mission Impossible? That, I'm sorry, mission, miss, missing in action. Missing, missing in action. action. I apologize. Yes. I got that myself. Wait a minute. There's three of them. <laughs> okay, we'll talk about that off mic. Oh yeah, <laughs> two mic off mic. Okay, so ladies and gentlemen, here's what we're gonna do. This is gonna be a little fun way of doing. This is how we did it for Halloween, I believe, and Nightmare on Elm Street. We're gonna be ranking these. We're gonna give our personal rankings one by one. So Dan, we'll give our 13th rankings first. We'll start off with Dan Caffrey. Dan, Danny Steinman, Caffrey. <laughs> then I will go. I feel ashamed of choosing that now. You should have Danny Stone, his uh, porn director name back in the 70s. <laughs> and then third will be Mason Verger himself. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm good at give my rankings. The maestro himself, <laughs> Mike, maestro Mike. And then topping it off, he doesn't have a hangover yet. But we're going to get him yet. there. Mike Vanderbilt. It's coming. And then once we've all mentioned the movie, then we will discuss it. And then we'll discuss why we had it in our rankings and whatnot. So it's, a, it's usually a fun time. The only person who knows everybody's rankings is me. Ooh. So I've got it all charted out. But everybody's got their own personal rankings. So as we go through, I will uh, do my best to, uh, to keep track on just what the hell's going on. Uh, <laughs> as per Halloweenies custom... Uh, nothing will go off the rails, and nothing will distract me. So, 
Let's uh, I'd say. So, do you know the rankings because they gave it all to you, or do you have psychic yeah, abilities asked, like asked, Tina uh, Shepard? Uh, well, Tina, of course, she has more of. She's not necessarily psychic. You know, mm. she can't read people's minds. She's telling. She is able she's to wrap. She is able to like yeah. to knock down Jason into pools of water and electrocute him. That's so true. Let's keep that okay. in mind. I, okay. I can't do that. I can't do right. that. Carrie was also not psychic, right? Carrie was also no, just telekinetic. No, there's no psychic yeah. power. Yeah, she's there. just te- telekinetic? Kinetic? Yeah, just telekinetic. But she has telekinesis. Ah, yes. That's right. That's the condition she has. The medical and ra- condition. And Radiohead has telekinetic. <laughs> that's true. And kinetic. Another song. Okay. Let's. For, here we go. Like I said, we never get distracted on this, on this podcast. So here's what we're going to do. Let's kick it off. Dan, Caffrey, what do you have coming in the rear? The rear. The dead last for me is Friday the 13th, part eight. Jason takes Manhattan. And it was close between that and... Whoa, 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 whoa. hold on. We, we, don't want, we don't want to hint what number 12 is. Okay. We don't want to hint what right. number 12 is. Jason takes Manhattan for me. You have a... By the great Rob Hedden, I believe, yeah. directed that film. Too long, okay. too boring. Well, yeah, you know. No, 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 no. Hold no, on. Don't hold talk on. about it okay. yet. I know, I know you're excited to talk about that. All things Vancouver. Okay. <laughs> we got to the rules okay. again. That's We're fine. only one in. <laughs> we'll be doing this at least 65 times. I know. Okay. For me, the the worst entry of the Friday the 13th franchise, and this is going to this is gonna make uh, all the Winchester heads out there upset. Oh, God. <laughs> you fucking... It's ridiculous. Uh, is uh, uh, 2009's... Remake of Friday the 13th by the great Marcus Nespel. Good answer. Good answer. Okay. Mac, what is your least favorite Friday the 13th film? My least favorite is Friday <laughs> the 13th. Jason takes Manhattan. Ah, Mr. Verger, are you going <laughs> to use children's tears to keep you going through this episode? I am. Okay. Is <laughs> I doing my own um, voice? <laughs> Maestro Mike. What if you what had like the, an, uh, what if you had like an orderly with like an eel behind you and you could use all the stuff from the book? <laughs> I'm gonna get a Mason Verger background. I'm just gonna have like the the tank with the eels. Yeah, you know, <laughs> on the Zoom call here. It was a little too in, taboo for the movie. But in the um, book, doesn't doesn't Barney have like take a shower with Mason's sister or something like that? Something Barney, like that. But then he likes attracted he, to Mason's sister. It's yeah. really strange, but whole, she has yeah. her lesbian lover. And yes. it's all, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which they do um, in the show, but they don't do in the movie. It's yeah, a Barney's ride. kind of a Barney's a little bit more compromised in the book mm. than he is in the the films. He, yeah. Barney's not in the series, the Hannibal the show at all, but he's in Hannibal the movie. No. But he's not; he's yeah. gone after. And he's the Correct. only actor um, <laughs> who was able to appear in all of the Red Dragon because he's in Manhunter as a different. Well, he also yeah. plays his his father in Hannibal Rising, the film. I'm kidding. Oh, like interesting. <laughs> okay, listen. <laughs> all right, so we almost made it to the fourth person. Mike, what is your least favorite Friday the 13th entry? Uh, Ronnie is uh, Freddy versus Jason. Ah, uh, yes. We have, not, we have not discussed that this year, but we no. did discuss it last year in, in ad nauseum. Ad oh. nauseum. Mm-hmm. So we'll talk about that a little bit later on in this particular podcast. All right. Mike Vanderbilt, what is your least favorite Friday the 13th? Oh, I think anybody who listens to the show knows that it's 2009's uh, Travesty, Friday the 13th remake. Travesty. Travesty. Lord. Absolutely. Yeah, One of the most boring movies ever made. Wow. And you've seen Meet Joe Black. <laughs> um, <laughs> I only went to see, uh, what was it, the Star Wars trailer that was attached to that? I'll tell you what, quick sidebar. I had a friend who loved that movie and was just talking all about it and, and was like begging for me to see it. So I went to go see it and I thought it was boring as hell. And he told me, he said, you just don't have the element. I'll never forget that. <laughs> you just don't know the element. I guess like <laughs> emotion or to, to, I was like, oh, 
oh, anyway, I'm sorry. It sounds like the equivalent to it's not for you. Or yes, you, or, or you just didn't get, didn't get it. it. Oh, yeah. God almighty. Just you know, hang you can't yourselves. get into treacly late 90s movies that would be used in Universal's montage trailers for 20 years later. Or like, would be like combined with three other Universal movies in like a DVD four pack. Exactly. <laughs> wasn't um, the Goo Goo Dolls song, the common down? No, that's um, wasn't that City, of Angels. City of Angels. No, that's that's Wait, no, but that's that, um, I think Nietzsche Black had a yeah. Goo Doll song on the trailer. Might have I could be wrong. We we should verify that afterwards. Yeah, it's definitely a highlight in uh, put it in the notes. Put it in the put, notes. Put in the notes. Put, put in the, we'll check Wikipedia. Okay, so now we're gonna go to our <laughs> second least favorite entry, which would be number twelve on our lists. Dan Caffrey. This for me was the two thousand nine remake. <laughs> Friday the 13th from the great Marcus and Spell. Oh, no, wait. Marcus and Spell did do the Texas Chainsaw. Yeah, he sure did. Right? He, did. he did. Which I like a lot. I'm, I know. I'm one of the few apologists. Not, not even an apologist. I love that remake. So no, that, um, I think that's the most highly regarded of yeah. that era of remakes, the Texas yeah. Chainsaw Massacre. Kills have eyes. Very that's good. I like Kills have eyes. Yeah. yeah. That's mine. Awesome. And, last, and Last House on the Left, I think, is pretty fucking great. I still haven't seen it. Not, I haven't seen that one. I'm not a big fan of the original. But yeah, I'm, I'm not either. It is. I understand it's uh, historical. Understand, you know, I understand the history behind it and, and the reverence in that regard, but I think it's better than 2009's Friday Thirteenth. I'll say that. Okay. For me, <laughs> for me, it's it's the one where things go to Vancouver. You know, what I'm talking about Friday Thirteenth Part Eight. Jason takes Manhattan. Is it number twelve for me? Mason, what do you got? Number twelve. That would be the remake on 2009 Friday the Thirteenth with the Winchester Boy. <laughs> Winchester boy, you guys, you guys are so amped to talk about this, but it's gonna be well, a we, long we, time. We you, know, you guys just don't have the element. To we, yeah, we, we have the, the element. I'm the Winchester guardian here. Um, so uh, for me, number twelve is, uh, hey, uh, give me a slice of that Manhattan pizza. <laughs> Which one? I'm kidding. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, you love mean parts? Jason lives. Okay, Jason takes Manhattan for Mike. Okay, we're almost there for Jason takes Manhattan. Mike Vanderbilt, what is number 12 on your list? Number 12 on my list is Burial at Sea, mm. a.k.a. Friday the 13th Part 8, Jason Takes Manhattan. Now, Mike, why was it so low on your list? Friday the 13th Part 8? Or- <laughs> yeah, let's talk about it. We've all, talk, we've all mentioned <laughs> it, so let's, let's briefly talk about it. You know, it's, it's just boring. Mm-hmm. Not very memorable. Yeah. Uh, the longest of the franchise, I think, right? At that point, I believe. It, it was longest <laughs> for like 15 minutes, I think, or something like that. I don't know. Waste of a good concept. Sure. Squandered. This is another up, uh, situation where uh, I believe producers let down the filmmakers. Because if you look at that original script, obviously much more of it took place in Manhattan. And then it was basically one of those last second, oh, yeah, we're going to take away $5, $10 million. And now you have to reconfigure this to the hey, boat. And, you know, and even if they just reconfigured it to the boat, like the lack of any interesting, memorable or likable characters couldn't is what really uh, does this one in. What's strange to me is that, you know, you have countless and countless, and I do mean countless, movies that have never been filmed in New York and yet still take place in New York and actually still feel like New York. I bring up one great New York film, uh, the original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, which was filmed not too long after this, that was filmed in like the Carolinas. And yet I still always believe that it was a New York movie. So it's like, I still don't get why... They couldn't have found some streets in Vancouver to make it look more like New York and have an entirely New York set picture for the Friday the 13th movies. Like, it's such a, it's it's false advertising. And that's why I also just 
it's just such a you look at those little moments where he's actually in Manhattan and they're exciting and the lighting is actually pretty cool. I like how grimy it is. I like how it gets into like the 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 real ugliness of of New York, which is a pitiful, disgusting city that I would never want to live in. And um, back then, you mean? No, even now, um, <laughs> even worse now because they've cleaned the filth away and they've just replaced it with uh, cap uh, corporization filth. But um, I like I like your your reasoning. I would I definitely want to go now that it's clean. Yeah, no, it's well. That place is filthy. It was disgusting, and fuck it now that it's clean. Have well, you seen you know, the movie Rudy, the Rudy Giuliani story? No, but I'm, I should watch it. He's the savior of New York. I heard that was all shot on location of the Seinfeld sets in L.A. Yeah, God. But either okay. way, so that's why. I mean, it's just it's all it boils down to false advertising. It's just this isn't a Manhattan movie. I, I mean, and for me, you know, you're able to film at least like interiors for Meet Joe Black in Brooklyn, New York. So they were able to film something like that in New York. <laughs> So I don't understand why you couldn't film at least some of the alleyways of New York. They can't, they can't cost that much. But, you know, Vancouver's there for a reason. <laughs> it's, the, yeah. it's the stand-in for New York. No, I think I, no, Vancouver's a beautiful place. Love I would Vancouver. love to be there right now, and I'm not joking. Yeah, it's a very uh, boring movie. It's one of those movies, I think, of the franchise where I always go into it thinking, maybe. is it really that bad? And then maybe, oh, then when it's the opening credits start. I'm like, oh yeah, this well, is so the Halloween Five good. of the franchise. Yeah, it's the Halloween Five of the franchise for me. Mm-hmm. 1989 was a bad year for yes the franchises. Damn. Except I like Nightmare mm-hmm. Five, so I think it wins out. But I love Nightmare Five, severely yeah. underrated. Dan, what, what do you think about this? Any, any words? Any any anything? Yeah, I mean, y'all have said it. I when I think <laughs> about honestly, once I get once we get to my next choice, it. I'll, even though it's still pretty low, all the movies yeah. from from here on out have memorable scenes in them, or at least more than one memorable scene. The only thing I can really remember from Jason Takes Manhattan, even though I've watched it a couple times this year for the podcast, is you know the guitar death, and that's kind of it, really. And and you know Jason looking a little gross and the Times Square thing, but those aren't even memorable sequences. I just kind of remember that they happen, and the, it's a length. I think if it was seventy minutes, eighty minutes, I might be a little bit more forgiving of it. And and yeah, like you all were saying. It's not that I need to see Jason at the Statue of Liberty or something, but I just feel like it doesn't capitalize on its premise. And and hey, do anything but bore me, right? So that's why it's it's so low for me. I feel like it also like capitalized on this weird trend that was going on in the late eighties horror, where it's like, all right, well, we have to have like stern, like patriarchal characters that have no real bearing on the plot, like that are just there and they're just assholes and like. You well, see, Charles really wasn't an asshole. I believe that he was 100% right in everything he <laughs> yeah, did. We had the yeah, oh, yeah, we had that discussion. Uh, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. But, <laughs> Mac, yeah, what about you, see, Mac? What, what, any, any final words on, on Manhattan? You know, I, I, I just want to reiterate, if, it, if they had changed the name and it was just like Jason tries on his sea legs or something, <laughs> I, yeah. I, I would have liked party, it more because Jason it would have just been like, okay, legs. I wouldn't have had the false expectation of, of being in Manhattan at all. And I And even though it's not great, I still think a cruise ship Jason movie and you call it that would have been, I could have swallowed that a little bit more to toot Jason, but it was too salty on the high seas. Just didn't, uh, didn't love that film. Uh, all I could remember is that cut scene where little baby Jason's trying to get out of the teeth of the giant Jason head. It's so funny. We have to post that again. I also um, think they could have gone a little bit funnier with it. I actually like this idea once he gets to New York of, oh, people don't think he's all that shocking because New York was such a cesspool at the time. 
but th- th- that's such a small part of the movie. Yeah. I, if that had been the central conceit of it, I think it actually could have been a really good, almost like Jason lives a little bit, like if a really good satire. Of that genre. Yeah. They should have just shot like the last half hour on that one block that they had for two minutes. Yes. <laughs> just kept saying like, okay, now we're going to fight here. Hurry up, hurry up, fight. Okay, Mac, you're going to actually be leading our next in-depth conversation. So that's a teaser for later on. Hmm. But we got to get to our number 11 entry. So coming in at number 11, Dan Caffrey, what do you have? I've got Jason Goes to Hell, The Final Friday. But I want to emphasize, like I said, from here on out, I think there are things to like, at least for all my choices. Like I, I sure. from the only the two at the bottom for me are the ones that are are really scraping the bottom of the barrel. And I don't want to say irredeemable, but really have not a lot to like. But everything from here on out, I so I just want to emphasize because I do <laughs> I like Jason Goes to Hell a lot more on this rewatch than I did the first time I saw it. I have got for my number eleven, Dan's namesake. Danny Steinman's Friday 13th Part 5, A New Beginning. Wow. Oh, number wow. 11 on my list. Wow. Well, number, Tarantino would be really happy with you. <laughs> well, Tarantino also said Psycho 2 is better than Psycho. You know, he's, he's got his own tastes. <laughs> Wait, that's, that's not – I don't think that's true. I think that's a, that was mi- misinformed data from one Ain't It Cool News. No, I think he was on Brady Sinellis talking about that. Oh, he's, he's talking about that. it recently yeah. too? Right, well, well, he told, uh, it was Tommy McLaughlin that told us. Oh, okay, part five maybe was his. Uh, oh, I'm, talking five. Oh, I'm, I'm talking about psycho. I'm talking about psycho. I'm behind on my facts. Behind on my facts. Mac, Mac, what do you have at number eleven? Uh, my number eleven is Friday the Thirteenth. Jason goes to hell. Ooh. Well, there's no Friday Thirteenth in it, so. Um. <laughs> yeah, but right. I wrote I wrote these down so I could keep in mind that okay. this was still part of the franchise. I think overseas they wanted to call it Friday the 13th Part 9, Jason Goes to Hell. I remember seeing some weird artwork for that. Oh. I'm not sure if there was rights issues. But, but that's my dead number wrong. 11. Rothman. <laughs> well, my in. number 11 is not Millie Bobby Brown, but you guessed it. Jason Goes to Hell. So <laughs> What yeah. the hell? Yeah. Hey, what the hell? Okay. We're still going. We're still going here. Number 11 for Mikey V, Mike Vanderbilt. Uh, Jason X is my number 11. Oh, Jason goes, speaking of Canada, I mean, Jesus. <laughs> okay. That looks more like a New York movie than uh, Friday the 13th. Jason, Jason X. Jason X feels more New York. Yeah, I love it. A, a little more like confident yeah. attitude, you know, and Jason X. You guys a little more sure, swagger. Uh, Jason, Jason X wasn't directed by Danny Stone, if you get oh. my drift. <laughs> it does feel like porn I'm sorry, joke. Vivid's, a porn joke. Vivid's, Vivid's Jason, Jason X. X. Yes, yes. Okay, number ten. We're, okay, so we're, we're we're doing pretty good now, folks. We've only got off a couple tangents. Number <laughs> number ten for Dan Caffrey is Friday the Thirteenth: A New Beginning. Ah, Dan Dan Simon. Yeah, yeah. Dan, my my namesake that I thought was Final <laughs> Chapter. <laughs> Idiot. <laughs> for me, and if you if for all of you out there who are extremely familiar with my Consequence of Sound article feature I did about four or five years ago, I ranked the series. This is one of the ones that dropped. In the years that have passed. So for me at number 10, I've got Friday the 13th Part 7, The New Blood, at coming in at number 10. Mm. Mac, number 10. My number 10 is Jason X. Ah, the missing two little X's. little film shot in New York City. <laughs> it's, well. All the exteriors in space were shot in New York, apparently. <laughs> Mike Rothman, number 10. Hey, like you, Justo, number 10, Part 7, New Blood. New Blood had dropped a little bit probably for you. Okay. Oh, yeah. Mike Vanderbilt. Uh, number 10 is Friday the 13th, Part 7, The New Blood. 
There we go. That's, so that's one that's dropped considerably since I was a kid. I liked it a lot when I was a you know a, a young lad, but as yeah. the older I, the older I get, the more I just dislike that film. Number nine. Okay, wow. So we're four, we're four uh, rankings in. So let's go to number nine. Dan Caffrey. In keeping with the theme, mine is Friday the Thirteenth Part Seven: New Blood. I mean, mine wasn't ten, but you know what I'm saying. I'm yeah. just I'm just <laughs> I'm just saying the title in succession, like I everyone think. else. And New Blood for me. Number nine for me, and this is this is the one that probably rose the most, and that is Jason Goes to Hell: The Final Friday at number good nine. Answer, good answer. Better than Meet Joe Black for sure. We're not. <laughs> that's not going to be a bit. Is that our season. next we're not, no, we're, we're not all, doing every, it. We're not doing is, it. Oh god, no. you're starting it. Just no, we're not. It's. It's. I'm already in run. You started it the last time too. This was it's your already fault. started. Yeah, but that I, was that was. Just I like kind a cute of want to. I've never seen Meet Joe Black. I kind of wanted to see it when it came Dan, out. Dan, it's three hours long, and 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 it's just Brad Pitt eating. Yeah, it's like three hours long. If we have to pause this and add it to our ranking, that's fine. No, no, no. Three hours. What? That's number fourteen. Is the Irishman or Meet Joe Black a longer movie? I think it's the Irishman. I'm going to look up which Goo Goo Doll song was in the preview. All right. Yeah, do that while we go on to our next (laughs) one. Hey, I watched the Angus trailer. Great Goo Goo Doll song. Hey, it is. Yeah, great great, great soundtrack also. Great soundtrack. Is a boy named Goo a good album? Is that like if I go back and listen to it? Yeah, well, it sounds like a replacement. Like adult contemporary replacements. Okay. I remember hearing rumors that like Paul Westerberg helped write him write songs for it or something like that. I don't think well, that's true, though. Somebody, somebody mentioned adult contemporary. When we talk about adult cinema, we think about Danny Stone, which leads us to Max number nine entry, which we can start to talk about. I, I take it back. I lied. No. Uh, I, I, I got my NBs mixed up. <laughs> so, Mac, what is your number nine entry? My number nine entry is Friday the 13th, The New Blood. Let's talk about it. We did it. We all, all right. covered it. So for us, collectively, I guess it would be like our second least favorite as a group. Mac, what is it about this film that has it at number? It's actually not as low as you, you know, as some of your other ones. But why is it? Why do you have it at number nine? Uh, you know, I just felt like after six, trying to change the tone of what was extremely well successful after the fact, I just didn't. I didn't buy it. I don't like any of the characters really. I hate the idea of. It was the first time I really felt, and it's because we step away from the Jarvis story. It's the first time I started feeling like, and they continue to do this every sequel after that, was that they forced some kind of connection to Jason and Crystal Lake. And I hate it. I just didn't like that. I, I just don't like, you don't have to do that. You don't have to have everybody have some intrinsic tie or experience at the camp. You know what I mean? Like, just have it be some kids show up and Jason kills them. You know, like you well, don't. This have is to the make first time I really thought about that. Plot. You're right, though, because seven and eight, there's some weird connection with that lake. Okay, that's interesting. That's good, Mac. I like that. For me, yeah. Uh, for me, honestly, it's it's the characters. We're kind of we're right back to part five errors where you know none of the characters are very likable, and there's like a, kind of like a lack of chemistry there. It's one of those movies. Actually, I would like to see a, a, a behind the scenes on the making of this movie as opposed to watching this movie, because there's obviously some interesting stories that went on behind the scenes. And, and that's why I think, honestly, it was one of the most interesting like at, like episodes we did all season. Yeah. I mean, I, I had a blast listening to that one, just because there was just so much inside baseball about that movie. Mm. But you're right. I mean, the characters are dull, and it doesn't make any sense. You know, it doesn't make any matters better that, like, the whole movie was neutered by the MPA. So, like, you know, at that point... You really just, I mean, what do you got? Like, oh, there's Jason, and then some pyrotechnics like that were going on with like their <laughs> insane action. Like, I just, it starts this whole trend also where, you know, instead of taking a note from Jason Liz, where it's like, all right, well, we're going to have fun with this and be tongue in cheek, 
well, we're going to also just be balls to the wall crazy, but not be tongue in cheek anymore. And it's yeah. like, what? Yeah. Like, you can't do that. It's, it doesn't, that'd be like if, eh, I'm not going to go into examples. Either way, that's my problem with it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just piggyback what you guys were saying. Like you said, Justin, it's unlikable characters. And this is, mm-hmm. right, like you said, right back to part five's problems. And I don't know why this became uh, part of the series. I think it's like everybody took the wrong lessons from all the slasher ripoffs of Friday the 13th. But even that, I don't think they have any, any of those films have characters as like unlikable as the ones in this from the kids, even to the heroes. Like they're not interesting to look at. They're not interesting to spend time with. And I think it's such a great concept. I, fine. You know what? You want to have Jason versus Carrie? Sure. That works for me. If you believe everything else in the Friday the 13th series, why can't you believe that? But the climax is just a, a wet fart. Boring. Yeah, like she, you never really get to see her u- utilize her powers. I don't. Well, you do, but it's 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 all parlor tricks. It's, well, it's also yeah. like we don't need Daddy all that sa- backstory. Daddy saves the day. We don't like. That's another thing that kind of drags <laughs> the movie Ghost down. Dad saved the day yeah. at the end of it. She doesn't even really. <laughs> it's so stupid. I mean, it it's just. I don't know. That's and that I whole nest- unnecessary Carl- backstories is gluttonous. Just- I think John Carl Beekler is a terrific special effects artist, one of the best. But I just don't think he's a very good director. Yeah, mm-hmm. I would love to see like something about, even if it was like a, like a historical fiction based on what he was going through behind the scenes, and then what all the actors were going through in their own personal lives in the '80s on that set. I mean, that's I think it's a fascinating story that everything that was going on there. Dan McCaffrey, I know this is one of your favorites. I'm kidding. <laughs> no, but I, I don't hate this movie. I think at yeah. this yeah. point too. After, because this is what comes after Jason Lives, right? I yeah. do mm-hmm. like how directed the continuation it is. And the concept alone does make it stand out a little bit for me. I mean, I agree. I don't think it's all that scary necessarily. I would like to see some more, you know, <laughs> Jason versus Carrie mind fights or whatever you want to call it. I think they could have leaned into the concept a little bit more and, make, and, and made it gone further. But I don't know. It feels like an easy breezy watch to me. It's like a very mid-grade Friday the 13th for me. I wanted to also confirm that I looked it up and I... I <laughs> I'll have to actually go back and watch the trailer to see if the Goo Goo Dolls are on the Meet Joe Black trailer. They're not on the oh official God. soundtrack. It's just going to be the bit for the for twenty twenty one. Maybe Although, they were in the trailer. They were I in the did trailer. Find a, uh, I think I think this is bad intel. I don't think this is correct. I did find a site that listed the Goo Goo Dolls as having a song called Meet Joe Black on the soundtrack, but I don't I don't think that's true. <laughs> meet so. Joe Black and meet him now. <laughs> okay, we have to move on. To, yeah, yeah I'll have to do some detective work later, but just just wanted to throw that out there. Okay, Mike Rothman, what is your number nine entry here? Well, you know, he's one of my favorite characters in the gloom and doom of Chris Carter, X, and I'm talking Jason X. You mean Jason X? Mr. X, of course, played by Stephen Williams from yes. Missing in Action, The Beginning. But also... The prequel to Missing in Joseph Zito's Missing in Action. Well, let's also not forget that uh, also uh, I got a bunch of dogs behind me, so uh, and they're all talking to me, just like Aww. Mac always has predicted. But, um, True Friday <laughs> right, 13th fashion. Hey, uh, it works out. The Losers Club dog, Shiloh, just talking to us right now. Yeah, no, uh, it doesn't... Is X also... Uh, I believe we got some connections to Jason Goes to Hell a little bit, too. So You're right, Stephen Williams. Again, Missing in Action 2's Stephen so, Williams. Yeah. <laughs> Number nine for Mike Vanderbilt. We got uh, Freddy vs. Jason coming in at number nine on my list. FVJ, as it were. Okay, we're five. We're five entries down. We're doing pretty, making pretty good time here. Pretty, although we've still got t- eleven more movies to talk about. Oh Lord, yeah, we got a lot. <laughs> okay, number eight for Dan Caffrey. 
Jason X would be higher for me if it was a little bit more tonally consistent. I feel like it's kind of caught between being really campy and trying to be really scary. And I think either one of those directions would have worked really well for me. I really like the juxtaposition of having old camp aesthetic, almost these relics in space and, Mm -hmm. you know, leaning into the whole JC getting upgraded thing. But I feel like with a lot of horror movies, I mean, I I don't know. I'm not a big camp guy regardless, but if you are going to be campy, I feel like you need to really go, you know, full throttle with it. And I don't think the movie does. I feel like it's kind of caught between B and you could say that for a few of the Friday the 13th movies. Yeah. So there are some memorable kills for sure for me, but I, I think I just want it to lean really hard in one direction and one tone because otherwise it feels a little bit tonally uh, clumsy to me. That's why it's lower than it might otherwise be. Yeah. For me, it's, I, if you look at a lot of the, uh, the concept art that they were kind of basing around the original script, it's a movie that couldn't live up to the script because the script demands such a high budget. And what we're left with, and we discussed this on the episode, is like early aughts sci-fi channel made for some TV really movie. bad I mean, CGI. It's some really bad it's like CGI. Andromeda, yeah. Yeah. Speaking of Andromeda, starring with two <laughs> of the know, stars of Jason yeah, yeah. And the great Kevin Sorbo, of course, involved in that show. God. <laughs> I, I, you know, I don't like him as an actor, but I like his politics a lot. I think yeah, he's, he's a great actor. He's, 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 he's a, he's a sharp activist. young man. Hey, hey, yeah. no politics, Dan, no politics. <clears throat> yeah, Jason X, it was a pretty fun theater experience. I think we saw that on an IMAX screen, so that makes up for a lot of it. It's so harmless. You know, it's hard exactly. to really hate on it. You know? Yeah, it's, that's it's where just, I'm at. Yeah. I understand Vanderbilt's criticism, though, of, of the film. Don't get me wrong. I don't think it's a, a good movie <laughs> by any means. But I think that's why I have it closer to the mid-tier for my rankings. Yeah, you, you you described it as, you know, harmless, but I think it actually, it, it, it's just so stupid. I don't, I don't feel like I'm articulating my thoughts very well. Yeah. This see, no, it is harmful. It's, so, it's, it's harmful. I don't know. If they had, like, uh, to piggyback on what Dan said, if they had gone for more alien in space, that would have been better. If they had just tried to make it a straight comedy, mm. even that would have been at least more interesting of a watch. But, it just kind of rides that line. It never commits to anything and just ends up being, again, forgettable outside of the cryogenic uh, freezing death. Yeah, well, that's a great, yeah. I mean, that that's the only thing I can remember from the movie. Yeah. Rothman? See, I don't, I don't think it's forgettable. I think, if anything, it's so audacious that I mean, look, it's fucking Friday the 13th in outer space. Like, it's it's so insane that this actually happened. And this happened before they even got him next to Freddy. So it's like the, the whole novelty of this existing is, for me alone, is just interesting enough to for me to kind of revisit it a couple of times. And I actually do think it's kind of funny. Like, I, I, I actually think that they pretty much commit almost to like the same sort of level that Jason lives has where they realize this is so perverse. This is so stupid. Like, all right. Yeah, sure. But I mean, the problem I guess they do make with it is that they have some moments of like severity and like, they're trying to have some sort of drama in there, but like even then it kind of comes off as campy. So I feel like the tone is not awful in this. I just think like, cause I don't, I don't think it would work as if you tried to go for like a serious alien in space thing. I just oh, don't like, I think I, so because I think Hellraiser uh, four does the, uh, you know, franchise in space better than. But Jason you could. Access. But here's the difference: is that like I buy Pinhead yeah. in space. Like I yeah, like I, I I don't like you know Pinhead. You know, supersedes any sort of rational world. Like he literally goes through you know space and time, so it works. But like with Jason, like I feel like you had to be tongue in cheek with it because it just doesn't. I don't know. It just feels like you have to be. I mean, especially where the franchise was at that point. Like you know, where do but, you go? Yeah. Mac, what about you, Mac? What do you think? 
Because you had it uh, a little lower. I ha- yeah, I had it at ten, and I I think it's it's memorable. I it's 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 fun in the sense that I, I mean, in terms of rewatch value, I I always find it entertaining to rewatch because it's very for, forget forgettable. <laughs> So yeah. I always, so it always feels fresh to me when I'm watching it because I don't really remember <laughs> any of it. It's like, it's like memento. And yeah, and I do think that experience it, Jason X for the first time all over. Yeah, exa- again. Exactly, and I I do think that there is no coming back after Jason lives in terms of like we've we've gone comedy with it. How do you make this a serious, uh, you know, scary film again? And I feel like they just can't do that. And they still haven't been able to do that, really. Uh, so they tried to go comedic with it. They tried to lighten it up. I, you know, I give them props for that. Uh, you know, it didn't, didn't completely work. But uh, I would much rather watch this again than Jason Takes Manhattan again. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, it, oh, yeah. And it's short. It's it's a it's it's not like super long, but it feels slog, so and it doesn't fe- it doesn't feel long. I feel like it moves, and it delivers on Jason actually being in space as opposed to being exactly. In <laughs> That's, true. That's true. If the whole thing happened in the compound in the beginning, yeah, and, and then the like, last ten minutes were in space, I, I would oh, be would this would be great. a different story. Oh god. Okay. So Jason X. Okay, Mac. What is your number eight though? My number eight. Uh, involves a, another baddie from another universe. That's Freddy mm. versus Jason. Uh, Ronnie Yu. Uh, okay. Number eight for Mike Rothman, the maestro. Well, number eight is uh, Quentin Tarantino's number one. Yeah. Which is Friday the 13th, part five, A New Beginning. So There we go. Quentin, on, keep on the QT. Mike, Mike Vanderbilt, number eight. Now, this is where my list kind of pivots from all kind of, I could say, even equal equally good to maybe even equally bad on this end. And I've got Friday the 13th, part five, a new beginning from director Danny Stone coming in. Oh, li- rest in peace, King. Okay. Number seven for Dan Caffrey. Number seven for me is Friday the 13th, part three. And that did, that did actually have Friday the 13th in its title, right? It did. Part three D. I know. I, yeah, I know. It was a controversial, happened. what the hell is this movie called? We went over yeah. that a lot too. I think in the yeah. episode. Part three for me. For me, I've got Ronnie Yu's Freddy versus Jason at number seven. Matt Gerber, what do you have? And we're going to talk about this movie now. I've got Friday the Thirteenth: The New Beginning. Mm. Mac, you have it at number seven, which is kind of at the uh, in terms of Jason rankings in the upper half. So, what is it about well, uh, this movie that has you ranking a little higher? This surprised me when I was going through the rankings and I was going through the hockey masks and uh, machetes and you know all the little things that we put on top of hockey masks <laughs> during our ratings. I think this falls squarely in the middle here because it still feels like a Jason film. It's, you know, it's even though it's not <laughs> Jason, it still feels like that. And they're still taking it seriously. Tommy's in it. You know, I it's bold to watch it now. You know, it's one of those movies like you were saying, Justin, that, you know, people look back and they're like, oh, it's the best Friday. The 13th. <laughs> you know, it's not. <laughs> but it, I do think that there's something there that I think is interesting on a rewatch value. I just like the weird, the weirdness of the film and just like, you know, the different hockey mask. It's just, it's such an oddball of the franchise, but I, it's, so I'm, I'm honestly, it's, it's, it's right there at the end of the movies that like I really enjoy. So this is like everything going 
forward now are movies that I genuinely enjoy on some level, but this is kind of squarely there in the middle. It's the Mask of Zorro, Justin's the median line. Yeah, that's my that's of, my uh, theory is that <laughs> the every movie it's... ever made that's better than the Mask of Zorro is a good movie, and every movie ever made that isn't as good as the Mask of Zorro is a bad movie. It's like the, it's the median of, of movie of movie making, and I never saw the sequel, so please don't have me comment on that. Okay, well, what about? Um, you let's see here. We we got uh, well. I had it ranked really low, and I think for me, the, first of all, the best part about this movie I think is the score, which was uh, totally all original mm-hmm. from what I can recall. There was no traces of old Friday Thirteenth films, maybe in the flashback at the very beginning, but that's pretty much it. All the it's mostly new music by the great, the then great Harry Manfredini. For the number of characters in this movie, it's remarkable how many of them are all unlikable. Like, you figure there would be at least... Well, I take it back, you know. No, no, no. The, the, you're right. The kid's very likable. <laughs> yeah. But it's, for the most part, an incredibly unlikable cast for really the first time at this point. And I usually like these cheap movies, you know, but it also just looks awful. <laughs> I talked about that, too, <laughs> compared to the, what came, what comes after with, with, with Tom McLaughlin. Like, what Tom McLaughlin does in the first 10 seconds of Jason Lives is better movie making than what goes on throughout the entire 90 minute runtime of this movie. And I just, I don't know. It just, it, it doesn't make a lot of sense when you watch it again at all. <laughs> you know. And I appreciate the swing of it all. I do appreciate the swing. Like it's Roy. It's not actually Jason. Like that was kind of like, a, Oh, that hadn't really been done ever. But I, the way that they make it so obvious that it's Roy is yeah. bad. You know what I mean? We, which we point out a thousand times in, the, in our episode. But yeah, if Caffrey, sorry. Well, I was going to say, I'm, I'm usually the person who's like, we don't need to get so caught up in logic and horror movies, you know? Yeah, I think yeah, it's, yeah. I just think it's silly most of the time. It's, it's fantasy. It's their genre films, whatever. Except when it comes to this movie. And I think because <laughs> it revolves around such a big pivot for this series that I think you do have to get some of this logistical stuff, right? Even just how Jason looks with his mask on, which isn't like Roy, right? Like there, there, I mean, there, there's, there are just so many holes to be punched in this movie. And unlike a lot of Friday the 13th movies where I feel like they start slow and take a little bit to ramp up. I feel like this one actually starts pretty strong and then just gets lost because (laughs) they haven't done their homework in terms of making everything sure. Everything is consistent from a logistical standpoint. So it just feels really muddy to me in in the middle. Although I, I do like where it ends up and I do think it's a, I respect that it's, a different direction. I think that's always a good thing in a horror movie. Yeah. Rothman, what about you? I mean, fails the Jarvis. Cause I, I just don't like this guy as Jarvis at all. It kind of messes with the timeline big time by jumping ahead and then, but still being in the eighties. <laughs> Didn't we think it was like 1989 or something like that? Yeah. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Just how insane that gets. And, but I do appreciate the fact that it kind of goes dials back a little bit to the roots of Friday the 13th, which is, you know, being almost like a murder mystery where you don't really know exactly what, or who was doing the killing. Um, And I kind of like that about it. But at the same time, like you're all saying, like it's cheaply shot. I mean, this looks like literally like a a made for television film that I would see in, you know, growing up in the nineties or something like that, like during like three o'clock and on a Tuesday. And also, yeah, like the characters are just so bland. I mean, even right, right when you get there, you're like, I just can't imagine after final chapter, which has some of the best characters, best natural characters on screen in the franchise to go to this and be like, eh, who do I want to latch onto here? Like this is <laughs> all right. It's a kind of barren area. So yeah, I don't, it's also something about it. it. Like it just feels hot 
reminds me of like Nightmare on Elm Street 2, but in a wrong way. Because at Nightmare on Elm Street 2, it's great because you want the boiler room to be really scary and stuff like that. And it's supposed to be hot and he's supposed to feel that sort of rage. But this one, it feels hot like i'm just like put on an air it conditioning uncomfortable or it does it's like an uncomfortable movie like in fucking jarvis is sweating his ass off every minute and like i heard no. second it was only second to texas chainsaw in terms of the most uncomfortable sets to work on <laughs> yeah i'm sure it was paramount it pictures like <laughs> new beginning my guess you comp when you made the comp about like the era it looks like it's it looks like it was like a episode seven of v yeah like that's the kind of like lighting you know what i mean oh no shots to the great michael ironside it's very television lighting yeah, it uh, is, right? and e- even the end credits look like they came off of a television series, mm-hmm. not off a major motion picture yeah. from a major studio. Like the, it's weird. The I can't describe it. Like the the text that they use or the style of it, it looks cheap. The whole movie looks cheap. But I will say one reason I put it th- as high as I do is that at least versus like I, as far as I'm concerned, you're for uh, Jason versus Carrie. Jason takes Manhattan. Jason X. This makes good on the concept of the imposter who done it. Jason, mm-hmm. like it swings mm-hmm. and it it hits it. And for as much as we talk about, and we I tend to rag on it a lot too about unlikable characters. At the very least, the characters in Friday the Thirteenth Part Five are memorable. I yeah. think you remember yeah. you, you remember every single one of them. If you do, if you don't remember their names, you remember what their their thing was. Reggie's family is likable. I remember the guy, they, <laughs> yeah. they have the guy that gives Indiana Jones his hat, like, you know. Yeah, yeah. super likable. Well, as we said to the, fr- as, as, <laughs> as he said to young Indy, we say the Paramount, you know, you lost today, kid. Doesn't mean you have to like it. And speaking of, um, uh, there's, no, there's, there's absolutely no transition to <laughs> this next gonna entry. I you going to quote Short Round and just say, I love you, Indy. I love, I love, I love you. you. I love you, Friday. Uh, <laughs> Come back to us. Come back to us. Yes. And, and, and Tom McLaughlin comes back. It, it shocks Jason to life. So, so Justin, are you gonna are you gonna burn all of us in the chest so that we can move on to the next story? Well, what I like to do is actually um, stumble out like a young thirty year old and kick you in the face, like our number seven entry for Mike Rothman. Oh, that's true. Uh, Martin Scorsese's The Irishman. <laughs> Yep, coming uh, at number seven on Mike me? Rothman's that list. Not, yeah, oh, that man. low. So, that Mike, low. We, we, let's make this. You, you think that, that six Friday 13th films are better than Martin Scorsese's. T- that t- I do. T- that I do. Oscar nominee. Mm-hmm. Look, Irishman. if I can pull out like clips, you know, like go to YouTube, mm-hmm. Irishman, <laughs> clips, great stuff, 10 out of 10. But then you look at the whole of it, no, no deal. Look, uh, listen, it's, it's, a fair, it's a fair judgment. It's a fair judgment. Speaking of. Speaking of uh, Judgment. Speaking of the Irishman himself, Mike Vanderbilt, what do you have at number seven? I've got uh, Martin Scorsese's The Irishman. Incredible. Yeah. <laughs> incredible. Number seven. Dan Caff- This is Dan Caffrey's 2009. Uh, Jason I want to clarify. I'm, I'm listening to, to the Rothman. Talking Sopranos podcast right now. They talk about Martin, Mar- Marty, Marty a lot. And right. they clarified that it is actually pronounced Martin Scorsese. And they made a big deal about that, the Italiano pronunciation. So well, I didn't call say it that way. So they call him Marty. Like everyone else. Marty, I just wanted like to interject with that. Piece I will say that I've always said that Caffrey is a dead ringer for Scorsese. And he talks a lot like him, too. You know, like I'm talking yeah. about like full coked out fucking Scorsese. Like just like, okay, you know, what I'm thinking about this is uh, uh, Kazazakis. <laughs> Kazazakis. Um, yeah. I, I think definitely in the talent department, I'm up there with Scorsese. Oh, absolutely. Scorsese. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe Scorsese, not Scorsese. 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 Okay, well, let's talk about our next movie. And that is what is number six on Dan Caffrey's list. That for me would be Freddy versus Jason. I 
I don't know. I feel like the re- the reputation for this movie has gone down in recent years, but I really like it because I feel like it's more of a Nightmare on Elm Street movie, which is the series that I prefer. I like the Nightmare series better than Friday the 13th. I think the lore is really consistent in dealing with both of the figures. I like how it just gets started right away. We know what it is right off the bat. I think that prologue actually works really well to catch everyone up to speed and just hit the ground running, which, as I said, I feel like a lot of the Friday movies just take a long time to start up. I really love uh, the... I, I know a lot of people say, oh, it's like a WWF movie, but I think that works really well. It's something we haven't seen with the series before in the fight scenes at the end. I like the special effects, except for that weird worm thing in the sleep center that's the worst yeah yeah it doesn't look good (laughs) uh definitely a few a few um pieces of dialogue that would not work well in or do not work well in 2020 obviously even as john Kerry was running for president and i watched this in theaters i thought "Ooh, i don't know about this one yeah good i don't know freddie i don't know if that one-liner works but i mean that aside john Kerry. do you think john Kerry saw Frey versus Jason. No, I'm sure he, he, he stopped oh, after yeah, Manhattan. Yeah, he was he, he was a paramount purist. I wonder if he was no, like he had um, tickets uh, for opening night. <laughs> he he, he could have like, used that as a tie-in for his campaign. He'd be like, "Well, I think I would be." Well, I'm well, sure. I, I heard he went. I went back and forth Jason. between liking and not liking it. Ooh, <laughs> That's a little, poli- little, little poli- political humor. <laughs> a little flip flop, flip flopper, little flip flopper. Yeah, but yeah. So for me, it's 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 happier there for me. Let's go to um. Let's go. Let's go to Rothman, who has yeah. This is my dead dead last. last. Yeah, incredible. So on the counter to that, this is the reason why I have it dead last here. Um, I agree with Caffrey that this does feel more like a Nightmare on Elm Street film, and it is, and that's why I think honestly it's a the worst Friday Thirteenth movie because a as we've harped all season long, they get the one thing wrong so bad that turns out (laughs) to be one of the most important things story wise for this movie. Jason being afraid of the water. As Wait, if, like, Mike, is I was so glad fun. that they finally explored his fear of water in this Oh, yeah, well, you know, <laughs> waiting yeah, for it. For it really explains how, you know, he lingers in the fucking water from the majority of the goddamn movies. Like, ridiculous. And then Ronnie, you, like, pretty much admitted, like, that he didn't even watch the movies. So it's just like, all right. Also, I hate the sterility of it all. Like, it, it's all, like, this, like, blue silver, like, we're watching Payback. And then, like, it's also this really the, – the special effects are, like, from that 2002-2003 era that we talked about uh, religiously in the Jason X episode. The stained era. The characters are just, like, annoying. Like, I actually like John Ritter's uh, uh, son's uh, – Jason Ritter, I think it is. Yeah. Like, I don't mind his character and, and his friend's character, but – you, you don't get any sense that any of this is lived in. Like you, get, you they all just feel like they just walked on to nope. like a leftover set from like Supernatural or um, you know uh, any of the CW shows that were going on at that point. Um, I believe this is before Supernatural. Yeah, it is before that. But like you know, Robert England Supernatural facts. I know. Right, hey, look, <laughs> Robert England's actually pretty great in it. I, I will give him that because he gets back into him being like menacing. Like some of the stuff he says in this is pretty fucking sick. But like. I don't know. There's not enough dream sequences and there's not enough can't like not enough like Jason-esque sort of like fun kills, even though the cornfield thing is, I guess, inspired. But it's just mean and like ugly and not really fun as it should be. I I don't know. And it's (laughs) funny because like I saw this movie like multiple times in theaters, but like and so I loved it at the time. But like looking back and especially being so like getting so deep into the Friday the 13th franchise, like, man, does this do this movie does such a disservice to this franchise? Mac, what do you think? You know, I had this at number eight, and it's strange because I do agree with you, Mike. It is more of a Nightmare on Elm Street movie, and we talked about that on our episode. 
uh, I, in that sense, I'm really thinking about it in terms of it being more of a Freddy film. I, I probably would put it dead last on this list um, in that sense. But in terms of enjoyment factor and rewatchability, uh, also, we waited for this movie for so long. Mm-hmm. I, I'll always have that that in my head, like looking forward to this film, like that. We always talk about this, like the days leading up to the prequel releases of star Wars, stuff like that. Like that, those times are times that I treasure because it's like, it's just the thought of like what could be. And it was really fun. And I always associate it with that. So I I always have a good taste in my mouth when I think of this film. I do think that, uh, I said I was team Jason when we did the reviews for it and, and, and we did four finger knives or four machetes and I gave it, Two, so I'm looking at this list. I think I guess everything under this is 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 at least a two star movie. But yeah, I I I I enjoy I enjoyed it in general and and rewatch value. It's it's fun. Yes, it's not it's not great. I think there's a lot to be said that it's not great about it, and that's why it's low on my list. But I do think uh, it's uh, it's a fun fun outing to see them go up against each other there at the end. <laughs> Vanderbilt, do you remember where you were when you saw Freddy vs. Jason? Yeah, I was at uh, AMC Crestwood on uh, Friday night, like 11, I think the 11 o'clock show probably, last show of the day, packed house, and uh, I still remember sitting there and thinking like as the uh, as the Kick Him Mama came over and the New Line logo yeah. and thinking, holy shit, like I'm actually finally sitting here watching mm-hmm. it. What year did this come out? 2003. August 2003. So 23 years old and you know the experience at the theater was a lot of fun not as much fun as my my bartending partner ashley uh their their screening got shut down because someone got shot oh. or there were or there was a shooting there gunfire was uh let off but i mean was it jason packed, or it might have been jason yeah. in the theater or just in in someone other theater like it, it, in i think in the the theater where they were watching the movie oh wow nice. <laughs> well, everybody, uh, everybody, sur- everybody survived. Nobody like there was gunfire, but nobody geez. got shot. I- okay, well that's good. So that's what I think about when I think about. They're probably Freddy probably upset because Betsy Palmer wasn't in it. So they're like, God damn, you got the lookalike. <laughs> but this one shifts up and down on my list. But yeah, I think it's infinitely more watchable than everything. Where do I have it listed on mine? I think you've got you number know, I've nine got above part seven, part ten, part eight, and part nine. Because at least Ronnie Yu does bring a visual style to the whole thing i know mike you didn't like that blue look to it but you know at least it's different than the rest of the series i like i think it was smart to make jason the anti-hero kind of in this i agree with that yeah yeah Yeah. it is such of that era that blue like get carter payback yeah uh, traffic. i I, I think for me though in addition to that though a lot of the fantasy sequences do have like bright green and bright red and i I do appreciate the visual style he brought to it it's very colorful all the characters, it's also, you want to talk about like a hyper reality. Like, this movie feels like it's all like in somebody's dream, like the way everybody acts. Yeah. And I just think in that way, it sets it apart and it, it, it just, the story just doesn't stop. It, it just keeps, it propels forward. It's wild, and, but it's not, I, it's know. still not wild enough because I think by the time you do finally get to the two of them beating up on each other, like a WWF match, like it just loses steam. I agree. Yeah. <laughs> You know what's funny? It's it, it, it like a Mandela it, effect. What were they supposed it's, to do? I don't know. I couldn't tell you what they should have done. Is the line "Place your bets" just in the trailer, it's or is it trailer. also in the movie? It's okay. not in the movie. God, yeah. could you imagine? Have you ever watched a trailer <laughs> for Freddy vs. Jason? Oh of yeah, I used to watch it all the time. 
it's it looks so like cheap. Spider-Man Two, like or it, lo- or it looks like the Spider-Man trailer almost. Like the, it's like do 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 do. Like it's ridiculous. God, the <laughs> early aughts, am I right? It's, it's wild that it actually came from a major studio. It's when the you worst era. Trailer now. Scary, Mike. That when you started doing the music for Spider for the Spider Man trailer, I like it really took me back. Right? <laughs> it's, it's like, oh wow, that's, that's it was every like, it was like uh, Christopher Reeve finding the penny in his pocket. Dude, in it, it's like it's like every Hollywood studio saw the original X Men, uh, you know, directed by. Um, that, yeah, yes, it's the X Men trailer. It's the two, it's the two it X Men trailer, and it's and it's all that, and it's like every Hollywood studio is like, well, we want to get, um, let's get. That silver from that Brian Singer movie, um, the X Men movie, the X Men, the X Men. You know they're funny. They're they're walking around and it's sexy. It's hip. Let's make that on every fucking thing, every movie. Like yeah. I, I I hate this era. I hate I, uh, it so much. My preferred Spider Man music is I'm so high. Yeah, 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 yeah. I can feel it. Get those backing vocals by Josie Scott from Saliva. Josie Scott of it's Chad Kruger featuring Josie Scott. Yeah, it's not Nickelback. It's I thought you were singing a song from Turn Off the Dark. Oh, no. Yeah, I don't know anything from that great one. Yeah. yeah. I, um, shitty fucking era. Okay. God. Let's move on to our number. <laughs> so that was McCaffrey's <laughs> number six is Freddy versus Jason. So I think all the movies, actually, even start with my number seven entry. I actually like all the movies that we're going to be talking about going forward. Uh, this is not like a Halloween situation where it's like you know, four or five good <laughs> yeah. movies and it's like, ugh. So for number six for me, it's. The controversially titled Friday the 13th Part 3, coming in at number 6. Uh, Mac, what do you have at number 6? Well, let me put my 3D glasses on because mm. I'm talking about Friday the 13th Part 3, 3D. All right. And number 6 is, hey, we promised you an hour ago. We, we finally, finally talk, talk about, about it. it. The uh, <laughs> 2009's, <up> the Kansas. <laughs> 2009's Friday the 13th. Mike, I have a question about the Kansas song. <laughs> Is that used in the show Carry On Your Way- Carry On My Wayward Son is used apparently in Supernatural a lot, right? It's it's only used in the, it was only used in the Road So Far recaps, which were like some of the best moments of the show because you get these amazing montages set to that song. And the whole song, the lyrics really speak to like the nature of the show itself. So they used it finally in the last the series finale. Well, my episode. main question is this: well, Do they use it like tongue in cheek, or do they use it like with some sort? sort no, of they reference? use it like it's a no. It's a it's like a literal you know you know heartful song that they use in the movie. In the well, because I, I love I'm like a '70s rock apologist, but I've always just like hated that song. Really, I think oh, it's man, like a bad I, song. Like, I Dust in the Can- Wind I've, is much better than that. song. I've seen Kansas six times Oof. live. What? Mm-hmm. What in the hell? Yeah, Cat Cat Black and I would go to every Kansas show that would hit oh, South that Florida. Song, man. I don't yeah. know. I love that, that song. has got a John weird Fogarty. taste in my mouth because it's used, and I believe was uh, when it came out, it was used in the film Heroes with Henry Winkler and Harrison Ford. Oh, and it's all wow. about uh, it's all about Vietnam vets to come back and like can't really figure out how to be back here in, in, in the U.S. Well, I'm glad like, Supernatural reappropriated the Vietnam War for their the very end war. of that movie, Henry Winkler's like having a breakdown and he's just like, you know, I just can't like fit. He's like having a breakdown with his girlfriend. And it ends on this like really weird freeze frame where that song comes in. Weird. And it is, is the weirdest fucking ending <laughs> to a movie I've ever seen in my life. So I, I cannot get that out of my head. So when you said it kept, it was being used for Supernatural, I was like, okay. Oh, wow. Maybe that's, maybe well, it's, maybe it's listen, used better. I, I, can, I have to apologize. It's my fault <laughs> that I brought this song up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I just always, I used to associate it with Happy Gilmore more. It's not using 2000, it is not using 2009's 
Friday Thirteenth remake, Mike, you should take the lead on this because obviously you had this ranked much higher than the rest of us did. I mean, I went all in on it in the last episode, so I'll yeah. keep it short. But sure. yeah. makes in, in short, it makes Jason scary again, and that's all that matters for me. Yeah, yeah, and Jason's definitely not the issue with this movie. Yeah, as I've said in our recent episode, which you, you should all check out. <laughs> We're not promoting the other episodes. <laughs> I you uh, want to talk about like if if if, if Friday Thirteenth Part Five is too bright, like, this movie is. <laughs> it's the cinematography is a nightmare and not on Elm street. Um, it's, it's tough to watch. The characters are not only unlikable, they're like totally unbelievable. I, I don't believe these people exist. <laughs> you know what I mean? like, I, I, I'm more inclined to believe that Jason would be selling pot. By the way, that is still out there that there's some people do think he, that is actually like his pot farm. I know. <laughs> I'm still convinced of that. I'm convinced of it. I, I don't know. That it's that Jason uh, look, is, uh, is selling pot? Not that no, he's, he's selling it, but he's it. growing it. <laughs> he's, he's that's growing how he lures it. the teenagers in. It's, oh, there's God. so much He's that aware of, the, of what the kids are into these days. Caffrey, Ka- I don't he's think you were on that back. episode, right? He wasn't on that. No. So we should let you talk a little bit about it. In yeah, I, I don't know. For me, this it, it, the whole movie is just like a greatest hits. It's a compilation of... of every Friday movie. I remember Rothman and I saw it. Mac, you may have been there too. I can't remember. Yeah. Um, and we saw it at a midnight screening. It's pretty long too. It's yeah. up there with Manhattan. And I remember at the end where they kind of have that gauntlet of her going through all the different Jason traps. And I had actually fallen asleep. And you did. Mike, I remember, I remember Mike woke me up. He's like, Hey there, she's going through all the different Friday kills. I remember I went, I don't even care. And I just yeah. went back. <laughs> well, you also woke up during yeah. the stupendous hit scene and you're like, Whoa, like I vividly remember that because that's when I remember you were sleeping. I was like, "What the fuck are you sleeping for?" Like, but then again, you like you literally sleep like two hours a day. So if you ever went to movies yeah, at night, you've got I, the I Kramer sleep over. method of sleeping yeah. for two hours, being awake for four, sleeping for two I hours. Kramer. I do agree with what y'all said about Jason. He is scary in this movie. The instance I really remember it, and it was, I think it was the final shot on the trailer, mm-hmm. is where he's sort of slowly coming towards someone with a machete, and then he yeah. just really quick and i i remember being so excited when i saw that yeah. in the trailer but it's like with everything i i wanted it to have i think the the seriousness or at least the sobriety of maybe the first two films which i know the first two films have goofy camp stuff and everything but the characters for me just didn't do it and, and once again the characters are all riffs on people we've seen in better friday movies so yeah for me i just wasn't a fan of the the greatest hits compilation element of it which um yeah i don't know I, and i feel like we've seen so many remakes before and since then that do that same approach and it yeah it just kind of bores me a little bit to tears but i do like i do like jason in it so that is a silly fanabel i won't force you to talk about because i, I really know have to talk about this yeah movie you, you, again. Do, you do have to talk about it again but mac your your, your takeaways from from 2009 one last time and then we'll never have to talk about it again <laughs> until some other project that we all work on in a couple of years i'm just proud that i got about. it to number eight on our fucking list which it's is it's amazing yeah no i mean you know, you know well you're gonna love number one mike <laughs> oh, I think I know. the thing the thing that surprises me the most about this list and everybody's ranking so far is that i think this is one of the franchises that truly truly changes every year you know, like you go, you watch these movies next year, and something might shift. Yeah. and I think, and and, yeah, that's true. and that's true. like like something, you might find something in a movie that that just bumps it one way or the other. And I think that's really interesting. The remake used to be my my the worst movie to me, but after rewatching it, I think it's better than Manhattan. <laughs> and, yeah, yeah. and here's the thing: is that I do think that it, even though it doesn't work for me as a relaunch of the franchise, there are certain moments in that movie where you 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 do see like ah. Oh, 
if it was this, it could have worked. And I, I do love that. Again, it's that one moment where they shot where Jason's coming at that girl like right before it gets into the opening credits. It's good. And if it was that kind of movie all the way through and it didn't try to bite off more than it can chew, it tries to be like four or five different movies in, in it, I think that it would have worked. But yeah, for me, ultimately, I'd rather I'd rather watch the real Jason, like the, the original franchise stuff before getting to that. We've got enough people who are actually making movies whether or not successful people and, and people who haven't really made it yet. And I don't understand why we can't just start hiring these people to make the movies as opposed to people who don't care about the movies. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. like, like Ruffin, that was your issue with like Ronnie Hughes that he didn't watch him. Yeah. I don't think Marcus Nespel was a fan of the series. Like, let's get somebody with some passion involved. Well, it, it's funny yeah. to me too, because they're, they're actual, I hate to use the word, but like auteurs who are fans of this movie of the uh, of this series, right? And I know, but for real, like, I mean, if you talk to a guy like Tarantino or a lot of these kind of movie obsessed genre genre mashup directors, a lot of them are fans of you know the. I mean, even I know I know we all have differing opinions about Halloween. But, you know, David Gordon Green, like he's a very interesting filmmaker, regardless of how you felt about the Halloween remake. He's an interesting person to have helm that. Yeah, and you can tell he at least loves this series. And so it's interesting to me when you, they get these directors like, yeah, I didn't even give a shit about this. Series. Yeah, like, well, why, like, well, it's why, a different why don't era. Reach out to someone else? Yeah. It's just yeah. a different era. What's so weird about that is that like a director like uh, Marcus Dispel direct this one for as much as he maybe not care about the rest of the series or even Ronnie, you like they almost and maybe it's the studio telling them what to do, but they almost hold the IP too close. Whereas they don't do anything creative or they don't do anything interesting with it. Whereas at least with like, when you watch like fan films and I believe that the opening of 2009's Friday the 13th feels like a fan film mm-hmm. in the sense that in a good way. they, yeah, they, they know exactly what to keep from the IP and what they've always wanted to see. But I think that's the thing is that I think you, what you need to have is, someone come in write and direct you know they're a fan yeah. they know what to keep with it and, and that's what you get with those fan films is you know it's it's one person's vision it's not like the studio plus 10 other people like trying to you know yeah. do the greatest hits thing or whatever you know like i i think that that's genuinely what you need but good luck and then i just don't think we're ever going to see this movie come out another movie come out we will see point. um okay well so for number six for Mike Vanderbilt, and let's talk about it. What is your number six, Mike? My number six is the most imaginative <laughs> Fighter the Thirteenth film. Or I'm sorry, not it's not a Fighter the Thirteenth film. It's the Jason film. Please copyright. Yeah, 1993's Jason Goes to Hell: The Final Friday, coming in hot at number six, above The Irishman. Who, who was wow. not on that? So, so <laughs> Mac and Mike were not on that episode, right? No. So if, if so, Mac, if you want to talk a little bit about your your feelings about Jason Goes to Hell, which you have at number eleven, I rewatched this I think the year before we started doing, when we were doing Elm Street for Friday the Thirteenth. Um, we watched this, and then we watched X. I was just I was incredibly surprised at how kind of bored I was during the movie, and I had people here that hadn't never seen the movie and were still like bored during it i just felt like it was kind of a boring rewatch i i i you know it's weird because when i first watched this movie when i was a kid i I actually really liked it a lot and i was really like oh this is really cool like there because i think at the time i was just kind of amazed that they were going into like the lore the legend of jason and like like what 
he actually is. And seeing that and being a part of that coming out was something that I really enjoyed. But what, but going back and actually watching it as a real movie, I, I, just, <laughs> I just didn't like it very much. Uh, it just didn't do it for me. And, uh, and I think in putting it in context with all the other Jason films, I just, it just doesn't feel very Friday the 13th to that's, me. That's, that's kind of where I'm at. I'm on the same page, pretty much a hundred percent. I, I, when I rewatched this actually at the drive-in for the music box drive-in, which is uh, manned by our, our own Mike Vanderbilt here. Mm. And it was, I had more fun because I was at a drive-in, I was outside, I was having fun and I liked the ludicrous nature of the film but man there are stretches where it just feels like nothing's happening and one of my problems with early 90s horror sometimes is that you get this middle ground where it feels like eh, this could be direct video or uh this looks like a theatrical film and like it goes up and down like that and a lot of it's because most of these franchises at that point had just really you know at the dust like they're done like and so the steam is just gone and you're just chugga 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 and you, you see it in all the final the quote-unquote final um entries of you know the 80s franchises like you know i think of nightmare on elm street six and that's a movie where you could just see the energy's gone the party's over and you're kind of just picking and choosing what other party favors you can get and you kind of almost get that with like Halloween five. I mean, I actually would say Chris and Michael Myers does the be- the best out of the three of them here. But like with this one, you have this really bold idea, and I'm not going to discredit it for being bold because I do really do think it's a it's definitely bold this movie. Mm-hmm. But man, there's just so much going on, and and because there's so much going on, it's really hard to kind of find some sort of steady footing. And I think that's what attributes to the fact where I get bored because I'm just like, all right, well, Creighton Duke's cool. But then we don't get enough Creighton Duke. And then, well, then there's this weird sibling thing. But that seems a little half-assed, too. And then Jason's not really in it. And then coupled with the fact that why does this feel like a Red Shoes Diary movie? And then also, and then all of a sudden you're just like, like it's like a Tetris like game. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I like how smutty no, it is. But like lean, I wish they lean more into it, you know? And then mm. it just, for me, it just feels like it's it's just pulling punches everywhere with so much going on. It's like the, it's like when you're like fucking up a, a Tetris or a, a Dr. Mario game and everything just starts stacking up. And you're like, ah! like You just like lose your mind. So Yeah, I don't have to talk about too much. I, you know, I, was, I was on the episode. I think the reason why it rose a little bit for me is because I think that the special effects and the makeup are great. Oh, I agree with that. Just great, oh, yeah. especially yeah. the Mike. Did you screen the director's cut or the actual theatrical print? We screened the director's cut, but it was uh, it was miss it was off of the it was off of the uh, the box set, so it was missing the oh the wrist the the wrist stamp. Yeah, but it's but everything still, else I mean, was there. And you know, you want to talk about getting nostalgic? Like it, it's it's sad it's sad the state of special effects in movies today when you're getting nostalgic for 1993's Jason Goes to Hell hey, like hey, hey which movie has better special effects you tell me The Irishman or Jason Goes to Hell Jason, Jason goes, to hell. goes to Hell has better special effects than The Irishman <laughs> and I can tell you that right now it, it's a fact a fact um, doesn't mean it's a better movie might, might I add I, I mean, let me say that I do it. let me preface it let me preface it right now but anyway um, so yeah, that's my big stance is just the, the effects are so good there's so much care put into that I wish that they had leaned more into the Agatha Christie of it all. I wish that you didn't see the non-Jasons killing people in a way, and you find out what's happening at the very end. But you know that's that's unfair producer bullshit that I hate when people say, and oh, they should have done X, Y, Z, and, and A, B, sure. and C. It's like, come on, it's over. But that's yeah, that's my my, my final my final take on the final Friday. <laughs> Anybody final else chapter. have anything else to say about 
So Dan, you were on the episode, right? Yeah, I've, I've said I've said my piece already, <laughs> right. but, I, but I, I, it was better than I remember it being. It's yeah, not one of my I consider that a win. Um, to what you were saying, Mac, I think you almost need to put yourself in the head of being a twelve or thirteen year old boy to really enjoy yeah. this movie. And I think that's what I like about it is that if you accept it like that, it's enjoyable. And I, I would say like. Look, after eight movies, you want to talk about a franchise running out of steam. This is one of the worst because it it had steam, unlike, I think, the Halloween franchise. I think the Jason uh, series had steam and then just started big drop off after part five. So, yeah, do whatever you want by part nine. Here's the thing. I think the reason I also liked it initially was because I would watch these in order. And when you're coming off of Takes Manhattan, <laughs> yeah, anything's better, you know. Yeah. But I, 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 and I agree with you. I think sometimes you have to put yourself in the mindset of like where you were at when you watched it. If you're, if you want to enjoy it for, for a nostalgia factor, but uh, you know, actually lining these up and saying what movie is actually better than the other one, I just I couldn't do it for me. Yeah, mm-hmm. I did watch. I will say watching it at the drive that driving, which it's sold out. So I do oh, think yeah. Jason goes to yeah. hell because of the box set is having its. Halloween three moment where it's getting a reappraisal where it's a masterpiece. As, as you, it's a, yeah, <laughs> oh yeah, now it's a masterpiece, and then I'll be mad about that too. But Ugh. where people have avoided it for so long because of its reputation, yeah. having never actually sat down and watched it. And the one thing I wanted to bring up on the podcast, but I had forgotten to, is and I noticed it when I was watching it at the drive-in, is that Stephen Williams really does give not only is it an over-top performance, but the smaller moments with him in that in the jail cell, he really is, he's acting. Mm. Well, he's a great actor. He's just easily the best actor in the movie. Yeah. I, I take it back. The, the actor who played Steven is actually a pretty good actor. I'm surprised we haven't seen him more. I thought that he's actually gives a pretty good performance. All right. Jason goes to hell. Number, I guess, uh, what is that? Number seven, seven overall. And this, and, you know, and it's a weird ranking in the way we have it yeah. <laughs> situated. <laughs> okay. So now let's go to number five. For Dan Caffrey, we have a number five. Number five for me is the original Friday the 13th, 1980. Wow. Uh, directed by Sean S. Cunningham. <laughs> to specify that. Yeah. Well, okay. There, there we go. Number five for Dan, uh, the original, the OG. Number five for me is a movie by Martin Scorsese. <laughs> and that is Marty Scorsese. Marty Scorsese. Martin Scorsese. And that is 2019's The Irishman, which uh, was available on Netflix the day of its release. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks. Great. I think I have it at number five. Listen, it's it's a good... We'll talk about it later. Mac Gerber, what is your number five? I have a film by Martin Scorsese. (laughs) The Irishman. (laughs) (laughs) The Irishman. Mike Vanderbilt, The Irishman. Five for me is uh, pass me some three D goggles uh, or glasses because uh, I got part three at number five. So all right, number five, part three. We're not talking about it yet. We're not talking about it yet. Wow. And now for the first mention, I believe. So I guess we all held, we all held this movie in, in a pretty high esteem. Number five for Mike the Irishman Vanderbilt. I'm going with Steve Miner's Friday the Thirteenth Part Two. The body count continues. Great, mm. great, simple tagline. For that one, Dan Caffrey, number four. Oh, we're going right there. Okay, number four for me is also Friday the Thirteenth Part Two. 
Mm. I have it here as P2 on my, on my rankings. <laughs> now, isn't P2 a movie? That's a horror movie starring yeah. Wes Bentley, I believe. And, and what's her, Rachel, what's her name from uh, Alias? And anyway. Wait, P2, like just literally P, like, like T2? It's like, in the par- it's like a, a parking it's garage. It's a parking garage. So I think yeah. it takes yeah. place in Any a good? Yeah. Number four <laughs> for me. <laughs> Speaking of, West Bentley, speaking of West Bentley, P2, number four for me. Uh, part two, Friday the 13th, part two. It's number four. Mac, what is your number four? My number four is the OG, Friday the 13th. 1980s, Friday the 13th. Which I would never have said in prior years, but this is what I was saying with like the reevaluation of these movies every year. <laughs> yeah. Something changes. Mike Rothman, what do you have at number four? Part two. Flop part two's. Not Back to the Future Part 2, but Friday the 13th Part 2. <laughs> Mike, what do you think is a better movie? No joke. Friday the 13th Part 2 or Back to the Future Part 2? Oh, Back to the Future Part 2. Okay. Mm-hmm. I, would, I would say Friday the 13th Part 2. I would say the same. Like, like, I'm, not, I'm not a big Back to the really? Future 2 guy. I don't know. Okay. Oh, okay. Back to the Future is my favorite movie of all time. The first time. That is a that is a long discussion that we have to have. So let's 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 stay on track. episode right there. My hot take is that Part 3 is better than every Friday the 13th movie. What do you think about that? I agree. I love Part 3. I think Part 3 is better than Part 2. Love Part 3. What? 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 Uh, one, mean, three, two, easily. Some, one, three, two, easily. One, three, two, easily. Crispin Glover crossover between, you know, there, there's a case to be had for a Patreon episode, maybe. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah I'd love right. to talk about some back. Yeah. Speaking Cri- of Patreon episodes, though. Crispin got in the DeLorean and showed up in Friday the 13th. There's a lot of Speaking of Patreon episodes. It wasn't that in uh, Ready Player One? Didn't that happen in Ready Player uh, One? RP1. <laughs> no joke. I think I think Jason is in the background of He is. He, you see him slashing. I think they're probably point. like, oh, that's Jason. He's from Camp Crystal Lake. And I use my <laughs> 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 I know all right. Right. every single word from the screenplay oh, no. of Friday the 13th. Oh, all right, listen. And is that him on the back of King Kong? I think so. This sounds like Joey <laughs> from New Beginning. Um, <laughs> oh, Jesus. Number four for Mike Vanderbilt. What do you have? I have Friday the 13th, part three. Let's talk about it. All what right. do you think? Uh, this one switches back and forth between two and three. I know some people consider it heresy, how like low, quote-unquote, I have Friday the 13th Part 2. But Part 2 and 3 shift back and forth. But I placed three higher after this rewatch this year because as great as Part 2 is, and it will always be one of my favorites, I think Steve Miner owes a little, like, cribs a little too much from Cunningham's style from the first one. So it feels a little too much like a remake of the original um, terrific characters, just like the first, but it's just the original one with Jason now. Hmm. So you don't even have that whodunit element of the original one. Whereas part three, I think Steve Miner develops a real aesthetic in this one. As I've talked uh, on the episode, I love his use of scope. I like the way they have Jason always kind of creeping around in the background. And I think it's, uh, I like the warmth of it, there's like an orange hue to the film that comes from moving it from New Jersey to California, and I think that kind of differentiates it from a lot of the slashers of this era that were shot on the East Coast and a lot of the Friday the Thirteenth ripoffs. And it undoubtedly has it has a likable group of characters. Of course, yeah, it surely. also has the most unlikable character of the entire Friday the Thirteenth franchise, arguably Shelley. <laughs> But it's got the cool bikers. It's got, uh, man, some, what, three serious Stone Cold Foxes, at least. I think there's a character and, called Fox in the movie. <laughs> yeah, she, is the stone, she is the Stone Cold Foxiest. And it hammers down, it, it delivers the Jason that we would see 
for the rest of the 80s. Yeah, it's iconic in that way, right? I, I have it uh, just a couple entries back because I think that The Irishman is a slightly better film than The Friday the 13th Part 3. <laughs> but you know what I noticed about this movie? I always like to pick out these little things, especially as we went through the series. I think this is the only entry where Jason is around the entire time. Mm-hmm. Like once they get to the, their destination, he's already there. As opposed to him making his way there or being yeah. resurrected later on. It's the only, and, also the only one that they never mention his name. Yeah, you're well, right. I guess technically Jason lives would really take that cake too. Cause they, no, he, because he's, they he's making his way out. back to the camp though. Like they're already at the camp and then he ends up there later on. Mm. I'm saying like when they arrive there, he's, he's, he's already peeking in on them. It's also the only movie in 3D. That's right. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> Which is kind of shocking that they didn't do the remake in 3D. It honestly yeah, because that was during that era where it was, yeah, yeah, was the thing. And I think other than part one, it all takes place in on the same night. night. In one night, yeah. right? Yeah. Well, it's also the one that has Higgins Haven in it. Great name. Great alliteration. But like you said, Vanderbilt, I love the scope of it. I think the the, the, the movie making is really good. Um, obviously, I just don't – I can't put it with some of those other ones I'm going to be mentioning later on. But uh, I love the Jason in this movie a lot, Richard Brooker. And Terrific makeup, great makeup. And I've said I've said a lot about this movie in, in our in our episode. But uh, who who wasn't on that episode? I don't think I was. Yeah, Mac, no. you want to say anything about? Um, you know, I I liked it a lot more than I remember liking it. I think this is one of those movies that I I've, I've seen the least out of the franchise, which is weird to me, but. I just think that the 3D element just always kind of put me off because there's so much of a focus on that, mm-hmm. a necessary yeah. focus whenever they try to do it. that. <laughs> it doesn't just like fit in the film <laughs> like the yo-yo bit. But I did end up kind of liking some of the Jason stuff, albeit it is it starts to go down that route where it's, you know, beefy Jason. But yeah, I, I think it just, as, as a Friday the 13th movie, it definitely feels like it and it definitely moves and there's a lot of memorable sequences and, of course, the mask. Mike? Rothman, I don't think you were on the episode either. What did you, uh, what, any words? Because you've got this higher than I think. I, I, don't think. I don't think you were as high on this in the years past, but I feel like you're higher on it now. Maybe I'm wrong. I am. I mean, it's just, it's got that old school quality to it that still feels like, you know, there's a lot of fire in this engine. You know, Jason's still pretty scary. I mean, we mm-hmm. get a portion of him when he's still wearing the mask. And like, I, I still think he's, you know, in the peripheral a little bit more where, you know, he should be. <laughs> you know, honestly, like, I think the, biggest mark i have against it is that this is like the first one where i just don't really give a shit about the characters like yeah sure (laughs) i i I, it's the first one in the franchise where i'm just like eh like i I actually like shelly in hindsight just because i feel like kind of sad from a little bit but like i don't know i just the the hunk kind of sucks the the lead is all right but she's such a step down from like the the first two so it's just i don't know like i and i like the paranoia of him still being there at the end where it kind of seeps that in a little bit more um, and hammers in the idea that Jason's going to keep going again and again and again. But like, I don't know. It's, it's so, you want to talk about forgettable. I, I often forget about this movie and I'm only reminded most of the time because I'm like, Oh yeah, the 3d one and the one where he gets his mask. I actually get parts of this movie confused with five for some reason. Um, this weird. sounds like a pretty brutal review. You have it number five ahead, <laughs> ahead of 2009. <laughs> Your favorite? No, but I agree with you, Mike. About the the stakes are there, and you do there's yeah. there's fuel in the engine kind of deal. You know, like there's mm-hmm. there's 
it still feels like we've got a lot of story we can tell with this character and with like the idea of the franchise. And it's like a, it's a great second screen watch too. Like I what I what I love about that so much is that what Vanderbilt says like there is a balmy like quality to it that I enjoy having. You like it balmy but not hot. You don't want your characters sweating on screen. It's got like a Doc Hollywood <laughs> quality to this movie. Uh, <laughs> you know, Michael J. Fox is shooting next door. Speaking yeah. of Fox, Michael J. Fox. Um, oh, Dan, you were on the episode too, and what would you make of this particular film? I think you're lower than the, the rest of us. Yeah, I mean, th- this is sort of at the bottom of the top half for me. So it's it's one that I enjoy for sure for everything you all said. I I think Steve Miner is a severely underrated director. I don't know. I, I rewatched Halloween H2O recently again. I fucking love that movie. I do think his use of the periphery is really incredible. I love that shot upstairs at the barn at the end. I think that's Ooh, one yes. of the creepiest shots. I love in the whole that series. shot. Yeah, oh, it's mm. so good. I, I'm with Mike uh, Rothman though. I'm, I'm not crazy about a lot of the characters, not because they're especially egregious. I, I just forget it. And there's a lot of them too. I don't, I actually don't think you need the bikers in the movie. A lot of it feels just really tangential. And as much as we love tangents on this podcast, um, it's what I said before. I think some of these Friday movies just take a while to get going. And I feel that way about this movie. And the 3D effects are a little goofy for me, especially when we're not actually seeing them as 3D, like the yo-yo and everything else. But I do think it has genuinely scary parts. I like Jason a lot in this movie. He gets the hockey mask, which is, of course, a big deal. And I think the back half in the movie is super strong. So that's why, for me, it's kind of at the upper middle of uh, of my rankings. Not as high as, as two or one for me. One more thing, I, I I love the uh the atmosphere of the movie. Like it, it feels chilly, like it feels cold. Like when that wind's coming in through the door, oh, when like that wind comes it. in at the end, oh, totally, that's yeah. Some of the that's great. Yeah, it's a great little effect. Is, is this it, the one where we see the the uh, the gross shitting in the beginning too? Right, I always confuse that. Yes. I think that's probably why I mix it up with five too. The, I think the it's the first. Wiping. Yes, Ugh, I think it's the introduction of gross shitting in the Friday the Thirteenth. <laughs> People who don't wipe, I don't know probably. what it is. Cam Crystal Lake, they don't have toilet paper. But does this, does this to, freak you out as much as it freaks me out when I say that I'm I'm taller than Richard Brooker? Well, no, mm, because you're fucking yeah, tall. You're pretty tall, yeah. You're yeah, really but, tall. But you're a tall I, guy. I, I you're the shape. I, I know I'm tall, but I don't feel <laughs> like is it crazy? Because obviously the way they shoot him in this movie, they always shoot pointing up to make him look even larger. You know. But I can't, I'm, I'm, I'm picturing myself just in normal clothing, like when he's stalking around the barn, kind of like walking around behind them, like towering <laughs> over him. Like, I think if we gave you a, a, a Jason mask and and a jumpsuit, I think you'd look very much like Yeah, uh, shave your head. Like Jason. Hey, I'd love to do it. If you're listening I mean, out there, I, Paramount, New Line, Platinum Dune, whoever the fuck has got the rights, Sean Cunningham, I, Victor Miller. I think about Give that sometimes shot. too, because I, you know, Michael Myers is the killer that scares me the most. But Nick Castle in the first movie, he's only five ten, which is mm-hmm. as tall as I am, but he feels yeah. so much taller to me because yeah. I'm average height. But I used to beat the shit out of Nick Castle in the nineties too. <laughs> 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 like, like, all right, let's, Starfighter let's, uh, sucks. Hey, hey, I like, I like. Hey, I do too. Who could fly? Like the boy could like get his too. ass kicked. The boy could fly is the most depressing Disney movie I've ever. Oh it's, my god, it's very strange. Let's it's on HBO Max, y'all. Watch it. Check it out. Is that is that in the Radio Flyer universe? It really oh. is in terms of like depressing children movies. Yeah, and features go. Jake the dog, my favorite dog actor from the eighties. Oh, he was also Jake. Uh, wasn't he in Friday the Part Four? He's Found in Chapman? Nightmare on Elm Street Part Four and oh. The Hidden. Not to be confused with Mike the dog from Down and Out in Beverly Hills. And also The, the Hidden. Hidden not to be the Hidden. Not to be confused with Jason Goes to Hell. <laughs> not at all. <laughs> Completely different movie. Completely different. Never saw it. All right, let's move on to our number three entry. So, I'll just say going forward. I think uh, my second, third, and fourth entries are, are basically in the same tier. So it's kind of just tie-breaking time for me. What do you have at number three, Dan Caffrey? 
I have number three, Friday the third. Yeah, I mean, at this point, we're talking about the all stars. Oh, yeah, the, 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 best, the best of the best. Uh, I have Friday the 13th, the final chapter, uh, as number three. I've got well, Friday the 13th, part six, Jason lives at number three for me. Hmm. Matt Gerber, let's talk about your entry. What do you have? I've got Friday the 13th, part two. Hmm. And Preach. I, I'll, go ahead. So, there's something we said initially about these movies, and I think part two always kept getting better and better and better every time I'd watch it. And some of those sequences that Minor shoots is like it's so good, so well done. I just I always go back to that scene where you know she's in his home, oh, and then it. you just see him through the window. Like you just don't get anything like that like ever again. <laughs> so, uh, well, that's no, that's not necessarily true, but I do think that this film, and, and and also if we're looking at this as we call this a Jason Voorhees podcast, is if he is Jason in this film, that's why I think I have it a little bit higher than Friday the Thirteenth in terms of rewatch rewatchable. Re- rewatchability. <laughs> I, I just, I really enjoy this film. I like the characters. You're really rooting. I really love the lead. I, I just think, and you get some great animal talk and misdirection. <laughs> uh, <laughs> a lot of muffin the talk. The dog in this. Yeah. And I love Jason. I love Baghead, Baghead Jason. I just think it's, that's like top tier Jason. So yeah, this is coming in at number three for me. Dan, words on part two? Which yeah, you have pretty I high, too. I can't remember if I'm on part two or not. I think I was. I think you were. Yeah, two. <laughs> what a year. Know, <laughs> so yeah, what a year. No um, yeah, part two for me, I mean, it's it's one of those ones I didn't really pay much mind to as a kid, but re-watching it this year, I, th- I thought it was excellent. So I like it better than the first one. I think it's leaner. It's meaner. Oh, yeah. I, I It's just different enough from the first one to not feel like a retread. I really love the characters in it. I like the way Jason looks. I actually think the pillowcase in many ways is scarier than the hockey mask oh 100%. I, I remember sure i think I'm, i think i would mentioned this on the episode but years ago i remember mac was pillow head jason for halloween one year and it was just this weird reminder I went to a party that, yeah you were at a party and no one knew he, like a lot of people didn't know very were, quickly but, people got confused and i felt like i had to take that pillowcase off because everyone thought they're, they're like oh yeah tell that dread down, down right now. yeah, yeah right i wish <laughs> no, but and 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 it was just this. Remind, I remember seeing Mac and being like, "Oh yeah, Jason's really scary in that movie." It, I, I and it has my favorite shot in the entire series, which is them going to the cabin at the end and seeing him kind of just casually coming down the hill toward them. Yeah, and it's the periphery again, not making big. That's that uh, Steve. That that minorism. Minorism. minorism yeah, yeah. yeah, minor's not minor. You know, it's a major work for minor. Yeah, but so <laughs> every time I watch this one, I just I, I really think there's no fat in it at all. Um, it's one of the few where it has an ensemble cast, but I like all of them. I really like all the characters in this movie. So yeah, yeah it's super high up there for me. I, I love to. I have. Oh, you know, Mike, Mike Rothman, you were the one that was not on the episode. Yeah, I wasn't on so that. So let's, let's hear your thoughts because yeah. you also got this ranked pretty high. I had this one ranked high. Uh, I think this is the scariest Jason is ever going to be. Uh, Completely agree. Going yeah, forward. I, forward. Uh, I, I, I think for all the reasons that Caffrey just outlined, like I love the peripheral horror here. I love just the world building too. I mean, you look at the first one and the first one actually does a surprisingly amount of world building in there in the sense that you get to follow, you know, the, the hitchhiker going to the town and all. So you do get some sense of place for the first one, but with this one, I really feel like they like took advantage of it, like almost kind of the same way that 1981's Halloween 2 does, because you really you you, you get that bar that ends up saving one of the characters. <laughs> I really love the 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 use of the rain here. I love the the elements. Like 
and I do care about the characters. And so like yeah. more so, not more so than the first one, just cause I think, I, I just think that's always going to be my favorite ensemble, but you, I'm actually really scared of them for, for him because like Jason is just a brutal killer. <laughs> so yeah. you have that anxiety that's tied throughout and the lead is just great. I mean, I guess my only grievance with it is that I just don't feel like you really needed to go back and kill Adrian King. I just think I, I, st- I, I talked about that, I think in the, the first one, actually the first episode in the sense that I thought it was kind of um, unfair that they did that because she's such a great hero in the first one. And I just don't really need that connective tissue. Like she's gone. Let's move on. Bye bye. You know, yeah. So for me, that's the really the only thing I have an issue with with that with the movie. I have. Uh, I was looking at my, my my list of greatest directors. I've got Steve Miner. His <laughs> filmography ranked ahead of a couple of luminaries here. And oh, I'll, let's let's upset, let's upset some listeners. I have him ranked in terms of overall filmography. I'm not saying like the peak of Steve Miner. Okay, let's get that abundantly clear. Overall filmography. I got him ahead of Don Coscarelli. Yeah, I agree with that. John Hughes. No. <laughs> yeah, for for Warlock alone, I'll give you that. Don Hughes has some stinkers in there. He's man. got some stinkers, he does, man. But he's got some like fucking diamond movies. But but like, know. well, let's just say I'm not a huge fan of like Sixteen Candles and Breakfast Club, so that might be a problem. Mm. And Dennis Dugan, I got uh, right. Dennis Dugan. Okay, uh, I can, I can listen, John listen. Hughes. Uh, the, the first three <laughs> some, movies, some luminaries. In terms of in terms of the scariest, right? I think the first three. Are legitimately scary. I don't think yeah. they're necessarily the best of the movies, but those are the ones. If it's on late at night, it's kind of like ah, it's kind of freaking me out a little bit. Like there's still some type of a really creepy yeah. atmosphere there. And I agree. I think that Baghead Jason is the scariest of the Jasons, which is funny because I again, even though he's the scariest of the Jasons, I still have this at number four on my list. Like that's how <laughs> weird this series is, right? Yeah, yeah, totally. But uh, Justin, I just want to cut in real quick. I agree, but I think the reason why we think that he's the scariest is because. It's before he's like supernatural Jason. Mm -hmm. So it feels really real in this movie. It feels like he's a real threat. He's really there. He's really killing these people. And I think that that's something that gets lost along the way. The the unhinged, the unhinged hillbilly. Yeah. Yeah. I I believe that this could happen. (laughs) He he could storm the Capitol. Yeah. (laughs) Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. (laughs) He could. Of course he was, he'd be smart enough to wear a mask at least. Jesus. He would be live streaming. Wait wait till under the cover of darkness. (laughs) Hey, right. hey, no, hey, no, no politics. We can't talk yeah, about no those politics, fucking yeah. assholes. Yeah, please. Go for it, Dustin. Uh, we haven't mentioned Jenny, who is my favorite final girl, yes. and that's including Tommy. So there we go. That's uh, I, I think Amy Steele's great in this movie. Got a handful Hence, of notes on this one. Yeah, I go think ahead. It's one of my favorite Jason makeups. Back to that, the range hillbilly thing. And it's a great reveal because you don't see it the whole movie, and then you get that. That's where it kind of started. Where you, well, I guess no, I guess it started with the first one because you see him pop out of the lake. Yeah, it doesn't. And that's not real though. That's not really him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's got uh, one of my favorite, all-time favorite deaths: Mark in the wheelchair, backwards Ooh. down the oh, stairs. Yeah, classic. So merciless. Mean spirited. Yeah. Fucking awesome. And two of the top if not the top Stone Cold Foxes of the series mm-hmm, mm-hmm. with Lauren Murray Taylor and Kirsten Baker, who I would recommend everybody check out Gas Pump Girls because you get to hear her sing. Because <laughs> you get to hear her sing. <laughs> she has the voice of an angel. This might be the most attractive cast of the series. I think we talked about that too. You yeah, said 2009 it, it really was is. the hottest cast. Oh, no, 2009. You're right. Uh, that, was yeah, a su- you know, Mike, that was a supernatural cast. Yes. That's how hot that cast was. <laughs> it was, it was, it was almost the, the surreality, the surreality <laughs> around it all. 
Let's see here. What do we have? Uh, Mike Rothman, <laughs> what is your number three? My number three was supposed to be the last, the final chapter. <laughs> Which one? <laughs> Which one was supposed to be the last? I know. <laughs> the final chapter by... Joseph Zito. Joseph Zito. Mike Vanderbilt, what's your number three? I've got 1980s original, the one that started it all. Sean S. Cunningham's Friday the 13th at number all right. three. We're not talking about it yet. We're not talking about it yet. Dan Caffrey, what is your what is your second favorite Friday the 13th movie? My second is Friday the 13th, the final chapter. Love it. Is that right? Oh, wait, wait, no. Did I, did I, oh, yeah, sorry, we, sorry, sorry. No, I'm yeah, wrong. Hold everything. Yeah, that yeah. one. Second, second, the question's tricky if you think about it. Uh, um, it, is, it is tricky. It is, actually, it is tricky. Second, second, fa- second, second favorite of this favorite. of these thirteen movies. Second favorite movie on this list. Yes, is Friday the Thirteenth Part Six. Jason lives. Thank you. For me, number two is Friday Thirteenth: The Final Chapter. I think it's the second best entry. Matt Gerber, what is your second favorite? Number two for me is Friday the 13th, part six, Jason Lives. Ooh, Mike Rothman. Number two is Jason Lives. And let's talk about it, because Mike Vanderbilt, what's your second favorite? Number two, Tommy McLaughlin's Friday the 13th, part six, Jason Lives, comma, Jason Lives. And you know what what we should do here? Because this is actually... Dan's favorite Friday Thirteenth movie. <laughs> let's um, let's let him talk about. You can lead this dance. This is technically your number one uh, Friday Thirteenth movie. Sure, yeah, and I was on that episode too, so others can talk more than yeah. me. Um, it, it's such an anomaly in in this series. As a kid, I don't think I got the humor of it, so I didn't like it that much because I thought it was like a failed horror movie. But and it's although it's not scary necessarily, it is one of the most probably the most atmospheric of all the films. It almost has this gothic mm. like hammer quality to it in the beginning, and it also plays with a lot of the slasher tropes. And it's legit funny. I mean, I, I think those jerk those jokes hold up and work so well. I love the makeup in it too. He just looks disgusting in it. Just all the maggots crawling on him from the beginning. I just think the movie is Tom. I think he, he is so aware of what he's doing throughout. And I think it, mm-hmm. I talked about Jason X not going enough in either way. And I actually think this is a film that finds that middle ground really well between horror and comedy. It's almost like an evil dead movie or something like that. So yeah, it's just, there's no other Friday the 13th movie that feels like it to me. And it's the most enjoyable. It's breezy. It's the kills are are excellent and really varied too. So yeah, hey, I said my piece for three hours or whatever on the episode. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. So I'll give someone else the chance to talk. But I, I adore this movie. Who wasn't on the episode? I think I wasn't. I don't think I was. Was Mike? Were you on? Yeah, I was on. Mac, I think you were the one that wasn't on. Mac, do you want to speak your piece? Because you have it at number two as well. Yeah, I have it at number two. I think it's funny because this is another weird situation. When I was a kid, I didn't love it because, again, you're coming after four and then you go to five, which is a letdown. You come to six. And as a kid, I was a serious horror hound, and I really wanted to take my horror seriously. I didn't like this funny shit. It was like X-Files. Whenever they had a funny episode, I was like, no, 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 no. Bye. Goodbye. Let's get back to the the black oil. You know, I, I wanted it to be serious. But when you grow up, you realize, you know... You realize what was going on with the franchise, and you also can appreciate it for what it, for what it is. And I think they, they, they did what they had to do, which was kind of turn it on its head and, and, and laugh about it. 
And in turn, it still makes for a good Jason film. And I also feel like it's it's kind of like the first Jason where you're really rooting for him and the kills and like interested in like, like oh, what's the kill going to be this time? And it's like fun. It was a, it's a great return to Tommy and I, and I, and I, I love him. I think, I don't know. I, it, it's just, it's a fun entry and, and rewatchability again. It's like, it's right up there. Like I could just, I could just throw this on in the background and every day, you know, <laughs> like, but yeah, I, I really enjoy this, this flick a lot. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I don't know what else to say about it. All right. Rothman. I know you love it too. So. Love this movie. I mean, almost was my number one. Uh, I was really going back and forth between what is my number one here. I mean, for all the reasons stated, I mean, Caffrey used the the keyword anomaly. I mean, this shouldn't work, but it does. And a lot of it is just because it's so tonally succinct, you know, right from the get-go. And also, it's just a really well-shot movie, too. I mean, I've talked about this ad nauseum since the first episode, even six episodes before we even reached this one, about how... I just think this is such a perfectly lensed movie. I love the atmosphere that, you know, McLaughlin, you know, creates. I love the the use of the wind, the moon, all the elements that he actually instills within the first few seconds. I think that Tom Matthews is one of the 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 fucking great cool heroes. Mm-hmm. And he's kind of like in that that vein of like almost like Jack Burton where it's like he's not really the hero so much as like kind of almost like a clumsy hero too. Like I love that. Like he's got mm. that sort of ramshackle quality to him too. In terms of, you know, ultimate Stone Cold Fox, like Megan, you know, I love Megan so much. I think that Jennifer Cookie is just amazing uh, in this film, and I love their chemistry together. My favorite soundtrack of the entire series, both from Mancini and from the rock songs that are involved. So, yeah, I mean, this is just a fucking fun movie. In terms of rewatchability, like, it's the most rewatchable film of the entire franchise. I've seen this movie, I think, I'm not even joking, this is not hyperbole, like, probably 10 times this year. I've just had it on the background like again and again and again because it's just it's so much fun and it's all and that that fun is in so many scenes but like you really do get that sense like when Megan's driving and you're just like yep this is awesome I w- I w- just so wish I could have been there like opening night in the 80s and just seen this thing with a whole crazy audience and I still miss that I'm so pissed that we missed it because of the fucking Cubs <laughs> you know, well, years I, ago. I'll, I'll take the Cubs but I'll take the, the Cubs too yeah no no I agree, <laughs> I agree. I agree. Well, I'll, I'll, I think I'll eventually be able to see Jason Lives again, but I don't know if I'll ever see the Cubs win the World Series again. So, who has not discussed this yet? Did we have we all got Vanderbilt? Did you talk about it yet? I just think. I mean, obviously, I agree with everything everybody said, but it's also the coolest yes. Friday the Thirteenth. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think if you're going to rank it anywhere, it's the coolest. It has this intangible rock and roll swagger to it that gives the best Nightmare on Elm Street movies even a run for the money when it comes to it. And it moves at an impressive clip, has one of the, if not most memorable, one of the coolest shots of the series with Jason standing on top of the RV. Mm. And it's really one of the first movies, like, we were discussing a little bit, like, following Jason to the camp. This is one of the first movies where you get to see him up front, clear and in person from the get-go. Yeah. From the jump. You know, normally, up until then, he kind of stalked around the corners. But Jason is truly, I mean, the main character of this one. And I think it gives him a lot more personality. And I think it was welcome. And it's, as you said, it's an anomaly in the series. And it's unfortunate. Well, it's impressive that they came back with this after part five. Because that could have been a real steep run downhill. And it's disappointing that they couldn't keep up with it afterwards. Until you get to Jason Goes to Hell, the final Friday. You mentioned (laughs) Jason at the very beginning. And 
this is the one that has the most urgency of all the movies because totally. right away it doesn't let up where we're going. The discovery has been made before the credits even start. We don't have to wait 30 minutes. You know what I mean? It's like it's, it just propels in that, in that regard. It's just fun to see like Feldman back. It just feels like a return to form, you know? Feldman like, okay, back. Oh, okay, you mean Tommy five, back? Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> Jarvis. <laughs> well, both, yeah. yeah. And uh, so it's just, it, 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 to me, it's like, okay, five was a mistake, but here we go. And I know that they go, again, they go with the humor, but it's it's just like you're just happy to be back and you feel like you're in the hands of someone that's paying attention to the original franchise. And I had the pleasure, obviously, of being able to talk to a good number of the cast last year when we did that uh, Salem Horror Fest yeah, yeah. A reunion. And you could just see, even a lot, a lot of those people had not seen each other in 30 years, but the chemistry was so strong. And the chemistry is on full display in that movie. Like, everybody's funny. Everybody's funny. Like, there's not like a... Like a like a miscast in there. Mm-hmm. There's nobody de- like delivering a deadline. You can't act like Cork everybody's performing very uh, well. Yes. What is it? Uh, Travolta's cousin. Or yeah. Nephew. nephew. Yep. Mm. I mean, you, you all have said what I've been saying for a long time about this movie. And I'm happy that um, over the last 30 plus years, it is getting its, its fair judgment. I know there's people out there that still don't like it. And really? I, look, and I understand why there are people that wouldn't like it though, because if, if you don't want to lean into the comedy, then you're not going to like the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I get it. I get it. But it works a hundred percent for me. And it's it's my second, fa- or it's like my third favorite entry. I, let's get. I wanted to get into that for me because we talk about it like with Jason Goes to Hell and with this one. I know that people want the next movie, whatever it may be, to be this back to basics thing. But why? I know we have one, two, and three, and four that do that and do it better than any movie that would come out now. So why not bring in humor? Why not send them to hell? I mean, as much as I don't like the movie, send them to space again. Redo it. Give it to right? McLaughlin. I mean, you want to <laughs> yeah. go, you want to do this, you know, everyone's so legacy oriented and driven. Don't just, you know, be like, oh, we had him as a consulting producer like they do with the bullshit Halloween sequels, but like do with, you know, get McLaughlin <laughs> back. He has a script. He's wanting to do it. We talked about getting an auteur that wants to do it. And he is an auteur, like in the sense, like he is a style. You look at his other films, like he has, it's a look. Well, I think he's the only one who wrote and directed besides uh, Marcus, right? Uh, Marcus and him. No, because actually, no, this is the only one that's solely written yeah. and directed by one person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's got like an auteurist vision to yes. it, and you can yeah. feel it in there. Jason Lives. Everybody should check it out if you haven't checked it out. It's really good. <laughs> All right, so, let, hey, um, Dan, what is number one on this list oh, for you? Oh, Lord. God. Rod's going to... I don't know how the listeners feel. I don't I don't think y'all feel good about this, but uh, my, uh, it's the Irishman by Martin No, many Scorsese. listeners agree with you. Get the no fuck way. out of here. Many listeners agree. No, no, no. Many, it's it fine. It should be mentioned <laughs> that Caffrey is from New Jersey and absolutely loves mob oh, movies. This is like, this is like and, a documentary for him. This is like watching him... So I'm like, yeah, all my family in Philly. Was, uh, <laughs> no, but I will say that a lot of people on... on we, we, we reached out on Twitter. I think a lot of people definitely were like, uh, the Irishman's the best one, obviously, but then I love these as well. I mean, um, do you want me to speak when or are we holding off on the Irishman? No, this is is the time because you're the last last one. Look, I I love the Friday the 13th movies. Obviously, I wouldn't be on this podcast otherwise, but... Look, the Irishman is getting at themes of aging and death and how those things are all common to all of us, despite our profession, right? I mean, I, I know these guys are gangsters or whatever, but like the Sopranos, I think the bigger thematic implications of the Irishman apply to all of us, which is what makes it great. The honestly, the CGI does not bother me except for Robert De Niro's eye. 
and thinking that they made his eyes blue so it can match yeah. up with the real guy, which that's the only thing that looks weird to me. But hey, the good news is it's four and a half or four hours, so you get used to it. After. And you <laughs> age. That's, that's the good news. <laughs> but uh, honestly, the other de aging does not bother me at all. I think the movie has a lot more to say than any Friday the Thirteenth movie. I'm not saying I don't love these movies. I do, but. I mean, come on, man. It's Scorsese. It's a, it, it, he's an auteur. He's he's actually getting at some really look. Uh, I think it's listen. I think it's a good movie, hundred percent. It's a good movie, but I, I think that it's going to be nigh unwatchable in five years. I will see. I don't the know. Uncanny and, Valley is going to be oh, I, I impossible to watch. I don't. I don't know, man. I I, I know I keep talking about, it, but rewatching The Sopranos, there's a couple of cringeworthy effects scenes in The Sopranos, mainly with uh, CGIing. Nancy Marchand's face. Yeah. But that's yeah, like one shot died. her in a hospital bed. This yeah, that's is like true, three yeah. and a half hours. Oh, of, I didn't even know that was CGI in there. Yeah. yeah. She was <laughs> dead. I, I, did, I, I totally yeah. forgot about that. But so. it was kind of laughable when it came out. Yeah, even when I it came out, I spent too. all this money on it. I'm just saying yeah. I'm concerned about the longevity of the Irishman compared to like the ending of Casino, which I think succinctly describes aging better than yeah. anything in the Irishman. But I don't know. I think, I think, I think the Irishman has more to say about that because we see the evolution of that over such a long period of time. Like if you look at something like Goodfellas and Casino, which even with casinos, I mean, I, th- I think Goodfellas and Casino where those main characters end up, I don't think they're necessarily endorsements for that lifestyle, but they no. do make that lifestyle seem cool for a long bit of the movie. Right. I think there's a reason why we quote those movies and those scenes and everything. Whereas the Irishman seems to be really fighting against that by the end of it. I feel like it's, it's really coming down hard on look, just because these guys love this lifestyle that might seem exciting and kinetic and whatever they end up just like the rest of us, they end up dead. And I, I agree. I just think you yeah. need to tighten so, it up a little so bit. So I, I think the movie, up, I just think the movie has a lot more to say than any of the Friday Thirteenth movies. I still love the Friday Thirteenth. Tighten it up. Tighten it up. That's all and I'm saying. I, tighten and it up. And I had I had the Irishman <laughs> at five because <laughs> it's like this a is, deadly series. Well, no, but but the whole thing about when we brought Irishman in, into this <laughs> franchise initially was does it achieve what it set out to do? And I think that that my top four achieve what it set out to do more so than the Irishman. That's fair. That's fair. And on that yeah, that's, level, that was that was always I do, the argument. I mean, if you're going to go into the themes and the relatability, <laughs> no, I don't relate to anything happening in Friday the Thirteenth. Yeah. <laughs> but I will say, you know, like the Irishman, yes, and and, and I agree, Dan, on, on on a lot of things that you were saying in terms of, of what it's trying to achieve and what it's trying to say with. <laughs> the movie. I love the words. I just think like Goodfellas and Casino do. Well, the only reason why we brought better. it in is because we said that the first episode was as long as The Irishman. That's, the, that's literally the only reason why we're fucking sitting here talking about that's The right. Irishman. That's and this one will this one will be as, this one will only be as long as the Friday Thirteenth. Th- 2009 director's cut. That's true. What a good bit. Um, <laughs> what a, I'm glad we got so much mileage. No, no one else had it number one, right? It was and a fun bit. Did any of you put it Give a fun farewell. One? No, I had it seven. No, no one, no one number seven. No. I love, I love, seven. Look, I love the five satins at the end. Um, the <laughs> use of that satins. song. Robbie Robertson's score is one of the worst I've ever heard. Ugh, uh, no, I love it. The, the bluesy theme. It makes me feel like... What is it like if I was taking Valium and I was at the age of eighty and I had a fucking record playing? Oh, it's just the worst. Like, I, I, it it's sounds, so, it sounds here's kind the of final word like I'll say on this: is that they live in the, theme. In the it's still a of the night, they live theme. It is. In the still of the night for me. Will always, I'll always remember having a cassette single of Boys to Men's cover of that in the early nineties. So that's, <laughs> that will always be my favorite version of in the, the still of the night. I liked it. Good movie. Wait, wait, where was it in the rest of so Mike had, had it number seven, five. Mac had it at five. You had it at five. Dan it's where it pivots. It's right above uh, Friday the 13th, part five. Yeah. 
That's where yeah. it's at I for me. I'd probably, <laughs> I'd probably still watch Friday the 13th Part 5 before I watch The Irishman again, but I like The Irishman. It's good. Old guys honestly. coming to terms with their, their past and aging has become my favorite uh, genre over the past couple of years. Uh, Same from, here. From uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood to mm-hmm. Bad Boys th- for Life. Well, here, here you go. <laughs> Scorsese does the next Friday the 13th, and it's just, it's just Jason in the woods like... like Kind of not doing anything anymore and just no, driving. Yeah, no, no, he's driving. No, it opens up where he's, yeah, he's, he's driving to Camp Crystal Lake because that's what the Irishman's <laughs> like. You know, we get to watch him in a road trip for about. He's been the only problem is they have to get Jason one. The they have to get Jason one fake blue eye. That was, yeah, like, that was like when uh, Flieger and I still need to finish watching it because I. I went on a trip the other day so I didn't get to finish it. But Capone, that movie with Tom Hardy. Oh yeah, that's awful. And Flieger hated it. Um, and he he's like. All it is is like Al Capone sitting around shitting his pants and ruminating on aging, and I'm like, dude, no, you just sold me on that. I movie. know, I might see that. Awesome. <laughs> like, all right, so listen, we we've spent a lot of time. We wish the bit good well. We wish the bit all the best. And if anyone wants to take it and run with it in the future, peace please and love, take it. Peace and love. Uh, peace and love to the Irishman. But we do have a couple more to talk about, which is unbelievable. That's how um, not not diverse or not divisive, but just there's a lot of good movies in this series, I think. And so my number one, we can't talk about it yet believe it or not, is 1980s Friday the 13th is my favorite Friday the 13th movie. Favorite movie on this list. Uh, Matt Gerber, what is yours? My number one is uh, Friday the 13th 4, and I wrote down here the final Friday. <laughs> I know. I, I, said, I said, you mean the final chapter, right? The final chapter. Okay. That's crazy. I can't imagine any other list where we would have th- four, three different entries, but mm-hmm. this is what it is. Yeah. It is what it is. Huh? It's what it is. It's what it is. See, that's people quote that line all wrong all the time. It's, it's what it is. It's what it is. That's all it's not, it is what it yeah. is. It, it is what it is. It's a better crazy. tattoo. As a, tremendous, as a tremendous fan of Martin Scorsese's 2019 film, The Irishman, when people misquote it. Well, I want to hear from 2021's Jewishman, uh, Michael Rothman, <laughs> for his number one entry. <laughs> Jewish? The Jewishman. Uh, <laughs> Friday the 13th, the original. OG, yes. baby. Yeah. So... Let's talk about it. Oh, wow. All right. This is pretty good. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, the thing, look, 1980 is my favorite year for film. I just, I, mm-hmm. I love that era. Uh, it's right, it's right in that sweet spot from where it's still, you're still getting 70s filmmaking, but you're getting the, the brazen ideas of what would define the 80s. And Friday the 13th, what I love about it is that the simplicity. It's it's a it goes right. It's like one of the best slashes of the era, even though it gets kind of earmarked as the one that like starts the, you know, the trend of um, overcapitalizing on the monster for the slasher, and really kind of running away with Halloween. But like, you look, I mean, the first one is nothing like. I just don't. I mean, obviously, you can see the parallels and similarities between Halloween and Friday the Thirteenth, but I actually see more of it like being with like Black Christmas and like the the roots of what the original slasher was. And mm. I think it's terrifying. I think the use of darkness, as I, I talked about for you know three and a half hours in the first episode, is is stellar. Um, mm. I love that you never really see the the killer till the very end, and then when you do, the reveal is not only earned because of the obviously the urban legend, but like. Betsy Palmer's like delivery in that that performance is so fucking frightening, and I don't know. I just think you know Sean Sean Cunningham talks about how he's not really a filmmaker, but I think he's great in this. I think it has some of the best portraits in the franchise. Obviously, I would say McLaughlin is the king MVP for filmmakers here, but like I just love the the natural indie style filmmaking that you get here, and I miss yeah, I think that. there's a lot of great calm before the storm mm-hmm. shots in this movie, like birds cooing or whatever, and just shots of the the treetops and the lake. Yeah. Yep. 
I think when you that setting alone, which I believe is in Hope, New Jersey, Dan Caffrey, Hope, New Jersey. Um, not too far from where I think you used to live. As a matter of yeah, fact, I'm a little. Uh, I lived in Voorhees, New Jersey. That was my first place I lived. Isn't that uh, crazy. Which is right near Hanfield, New Jersey. So. Um, I, I don't know. For me, also, I live in listen, Irishman, Illinois. <laughs> <laughs> this was the first one I saw, and I think that will always have a huge impact. This is definitely the first slasher R-rated movie I ever saw. And so it's just always going to be a little more shocking, even if it's not as violent as some of the future entries actually are. It's it's fun when we talk about like the believability factor of a Friday Thirteenth movie, but I do believe this is probably the most believable oh, in terms of what people are doing and how they're behaving. And I think the reason for that is we didn't have a lot of tropes going into this movie in terms of how people would behave. Right? We really just had Halloween and Black Christmas at this point in terms of mainstream. And I'm not sure how many of those movies, you know, our boys Victor Miller and Shannon Cunningham are really watching full tilt anyway. Betsy Palmer is excellent as the killer at the very end. The final scare, I don't care if it's quote-unquote ripping off Carrie. I, I can never quite time it, so it all it always works for me, you know? I love Steve Christie. I think he's got a great attitude. <laughs> oh, man, the Bolton board. Uh, the Bolton board. Oh, we have to say goodbye to the Steve Christie's Bolton board, too. That That's yeah, another yeah. Uh, farewell. I think Alice is great. The cast is supremely likable. Yes. Also. And that's so key. So and that, and a natural likability too. It, it all feels very lived in, mm-hmm. in a way that even the even some of the other, you know, some questionably, possibly, arguably stronger entries for some. It gets know? at but, the dazed uh, and confused thing that that they yeah. really wanted to do for that other unused script. That's what it does. I, I would agree. So that's my. I mean, I've said a lot. Listen, please go back to that first episode. I think I waxed nostalgic about it, but uh, I think it's a, it's it's my favorite movie, and I don't have it. I have it on its own tier. Uh, personally, but uh, Mac, your, your 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 thoughts. Look, I love Red Thirteenth. The, the original is great. It, it's a classic. I I do feel like it, to me, it kind of works weirdly as a prequel. Like I think if you saw the second one first and then went back and watched this one, it'd still be exciting mm. because mm-hmm. it's not Jason at the end. There's a big reveal there, and you know it it feels different. You know, it, it is probably. I mean, I definitely saw this first, and I think there's something to be said about that last sequence. Nothing is scarier than that <laughs> when Jason jumps out of the lake. I mean, that that shocks me and still gets me every time, and I, it definitely lives with me. Whenever I think of Friday the 13th, I always think of that Jason, which is strange. But, yeah, I I I, I dig it. I'm sad to see. Maybe Steve Christie's Bolton board will continue on, just like, like great, great graphics. graphics. <laughs> yeah, nobody like, actually well, took it off the that, board, you know? so who knows? <laughs> uh, Dan... What do you? What are your thoughts? Because you have a, like a number five. Well, to be fair, the Irishman obviously <laughs> <Yeah>. number one. <laughs> I mean, well, it's funny. I mean, I still have three Friday movies ahead of it, but I love the first one. I have nothing negative yeah. to say yeah. about it, and it yeah. does. I, honestly, I think the reason the other ones edge this one out just a little bit is because of the characters. But I also like the characters a lot in this film, and. I think because the killer is the mom, it weirdly gets forgotten about. It gets written off as just another slasher or whatever. But when you think about it, even compared to the rest of the series, this one still feels pretty different because of its simplicity. And the, and the, yeah, like you said, I think those first two are the scariest for sure. Yeah. And there's no topping that that final scare at the end. So I don't have much more to add it, but I, yeah, I, I mean, it's, I mean, that it does show this series is actually more cohesive and stronger than I think I remember being as a kid because I love this movie, and like I said, I still have three ahead of this that I that I also love. Yeah. So yeah, nothing but love for it. So it's an old an old five masker for me. <laughs> I think the first one, Vanderbilt. Any words before we go into your number one? 
I think that maybe even as much as it does have a terrific reputation, I think Friday the 13th gets forgotten as being an important film, I think, in film history, in that it, you know, you can argue whether Black Christmas or Halloween kickstarted the slasher genre, but there's no doubt that I think, or the slasher subgenre, I suppose, that Friday the 13th is the, it, everything that came after Friday the 13th ripped off Friday the 13th. Yes. It didn't rip off Halloween. Including Halloween sequels. Mm-hmm. Indeed, indeed. It was the the gold standard to what a slasher movie could be. But it's weird because it really isn't, because it's not a masked killer. It has one foot in, like, and I believe this is Victor Miller's input, it has one foot in, like, a 70s melodrama about a mother and her, you know, her disabled son that was murdered. And I guess there's even, you could even have a little sympathy for her. More sympathy for Betsy Palmer's character than you ever could for Jason, I think. Yeah. And so it has one foot in this 70s kind of filmmaking, like the old Crown International releases, where if it didn't have as much talent behind it or as much of a what <laughs> the low budget it had, it it's it's all on screen. That mm-hmm. movie looks slick. Yeah. Like compared to a lot of 70s trash of this ilk. Well, it's it's and that's what I love too. It's like it's got that sort of almost quote unquote murder mystery vibe. That was so prevalent on TV of the late 70s. Yeah. You know? And that's, it's, I don't know. It sits as this transitional film yeah. between the 70s and the 80s, I think. Arguably, maybe the most, like, exa- perfect example of moving from one decade to the other. Well, speaking of decades, I mean, we'll talk about this in just a second before we move on to your number one, Mike Vanderbilt. There's no Scream 2 without Friday the 13th. And I could, you can even argue there's no Friday, there's no Scream at all without Friday the 13th. No. I, th- I think it's an important film. Yeah. And it maybe gets derided as, even even Sean Cunningham will say it was just this potboiler that they made to earn yeah, some scratch. Yeah, they just scratch. had the name. They, you know, they put that in variety. They just said Friday the 13th. There's no storyline written out. And they just said, here's what it's going to be called, and we're going to run with it. And maybe a better movie than people give it credit for. Mm-hmm. I would agree. Also now, ushered in the era of special of special effects makeup, I'd say more than anything else. By Tom Savini, yeah. You don't have that, because Halloween doesn't have that. No, but I mean... Neither does Texas Chainsaw Massacre, because there's virtually no blood. Yeah, but the Romero films, I would say, are pretty prevalent there. I mean, I'd say Dawn of the Dead was like the big, like, holy shit, like, we could do this type of makeup thing that... But I, maybe... Mm. Maybe, that maybe Friday, mainstream. Yeah, Friday the 13th definitely Friday popularized 13th. it more, yeah. But which, but again, that wouldn't exist without Savini's Savini. incredible makeup effects from like Don of the Dead and his other work. Well, so. hey, you're talking about Savini, so that's right. What what a great transition into Mike Vanderbilt's uh, number one, which is also Matt Gerber's number one. Friday the Thirteenth, the final chapter, directed mm-hmm. by Joseph Zito, who almost directed a Spider Man movie. <laughs> Thank you very much, Canon. I believe it was. Um, what is there to say that hasn't been said? You know. Well, I always bring up that. The reason this trumps out the original film for me is that if you were to ask me to put together a time capsule and they said, well, Mike, we want you as an as a horror expert, as a horror influencer, we want you, what is your perfect example? What is the quintessential Friday the 13th movie? It's Friday the 13th, the final chapter, because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. at that point, all the pieces are in play. You have the mask, you have the look, you have the teenagers. It's not set at a camp. But I mean, very few, very few Friday the Thirteenth movies are actually set at a camp or on Friday the Thirteenth, for the record. Well, they, or a lot of them eventually get there, yeah. or, or we breeze <laughs> past them. Yeah, the visual style is this is what a nineteen. This is what the 
best 19... I, I, is it the best slasher of the 1980s? It might be. Yeah. I mean, if, if we're not counting Nightmare on Elm Street, I would probably agree with, I would agree with you. I, I would say Halloween 2. Halloween 2. Uh, yeah, I, Halloween 2 is, is still... I know you guys don't like it as much as I do. Or maybe... It's just uh, that's what I do. But I hate the twist. God, I know, but man, it's still good. Anyway, sorry, yeah, sorry to brutal, jump in there. Brutal, but, and, you have to, and you have the addition of Tom Savini. Exactly. Which you yes. hit, who had been missing for a couple of movies. So this is... Yeah. Friday the 13th, the final chapter, is the quintessential Friday the 13th film. Well, it's a rebound story for him. Because, you know, he got kind of sidelined a little bit there. And after pretty much, you know, setting the bar... And then for him to come back, I mean, we talked. He talked about us in our interview with him earlier this year, like about how this was like he's he went all out, um, and you see it on screen. I mean, it's just fantastic. I, I think this is one of the the rare examples of a sequel that not only surpasses expectations but excels beyond its foundation on all cylinders. Like I don't, I can't really think of a weak spot in this movie, and and I guess the only reason why maybe. I put Jason Lives in the original one ahead of this. Well, I put the original one ahead of this because it's the fucking original one. I love it. But Jason Lives, I'd put ahead of this because I just think that the expectations for Jason Lives and the way it was able to outmatch that is just incredible. And also, I just think it's the direction is a little bit sharper. But like to what Vanderbilt says, like this is the quintessential Friday the 13th movie. Like it's still scary. There's still somewhat comical areas to it, but those are coming from the cast members. And that's important. That's a great. That's I wanted know. to jump on that. Why I don't something I don't like about two thousand and nines versus like something like this is like even the worst Friday the Thirteenth movies has some some funny moments in it. And for two thousand and nine, it de- it didn't deliver anything funny or memorable. And well, I think the there beginning. has to be an element. Of, I think there has to be an element of comedy in the Friday the Thirteenth. I agree. For as yeah. scary as they yeah. are. And Mac, you had this also at number one. So. Yeah, and I agree with Mike. I think it's the quintessential flick, you know, like you were saying, all the elements are in place. And I think, you know, Jason still feels really scary in this movie. Mm -hmm. Um, There is comedy. You have, it's weird that it's not at the camp, but it, it's the quintessential film. Well, because you get a kid. I think there's a reason why every movie after, a lot of the movies after this try to capture this movie. Uh, That's why 2009 tried to do that, you know. I think that, I love the introduction of Tommy and I love that Tommy trilogy as problematic as new beginning is. I still think that that's a really cool, it's the, the trilogy in the middle of the series thing, which I love. Oh, like Alice and Elm Street is what you're saying. Yes. Yes. Where you get to follow the hero as well as the villain. Right. Right. Yeah. And just like, Oh God, that ending. (laughs) I just, I just, I I really, it holds a special place uh, in my, in my heart. I think also it was kind of like, I don't know if it was just more when I was watching these in order when I was a kid. I think as you got further and further or closer to the actual date of what it was, you know, like the the special effects seem a little bit better. The filmmaking seems a little bit better. You know, we've got more money involved. We've got, you know, this and that. And I was I was right there probably at that Tommy Jarvis age where I was like borderlining, like connecting with him, but also mm. kind of wanting to be one of the cooler kids like at the house. But I, and I know? think like, that's an important distinction. And I think that's yeah. something that really hammers down why this movie is a quintessential film, a film for this franchise, because so much i mean look we've talked about it all all year this is pretty much the genesis of this podcast is the fact that we grew up loving horror as kids and to that point mac is exactly why i think this is has to be number one almost because it, it is such a perfect blend of the gateway for kids but then also teens can access it and then also adults because this is one of the first films where you know you're, you're getting like a legit family that's in this and 
you see, you see almost like the, the, the Amblin uh, vibe going on here too, which is so emblematic of most of the successful eighties movies. And so, yeah, it's like, it, it pierces the level. It like opens the door for so many, so many different levels. And I think that's also why it's like, you could almost even just start here and become a fan of the franchise. Yeah. And in, in Corey Feldman, I mean, you have a, if you're a kid watching this, it's the first, I think in the series where you really have a character that you yeah, can yeah. relate to uh, that's your age and who loves but horror he, movies. And also loves loves horror. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and I mean, I mean it, and it's so weird how he ends up defeating Jason, but there's nothing else like it in the series. And also too, I know, I know this is I'm surprised kind of he didn't use water. Yeah, originally he came down with a super soaker um, and that's what started the, the trend but but uh and, and also too i know this is when we're getting into the beginnings of supernatural jason but i think because we haven't bothered exploring the logistics of that too much in the way that you know jason goes to hell does it really works because there's still some mystery around it you're like wait why is he able to come back and yeah, yeah i mean I, I agree with everything you guys are saying i, th- I think i had this at number two for me i love yeah. this movie it's like jason lives it, it feels so different compared to all the other friday the 13th movies and i kind of love the bleakness of the ending too yeah that it's yeah. really not over yeah i mean for me with with cory feldman right because i the other thing in addition to oh wow there's a child in peril in addition to that you know, I, I I knew Corey Feldman well at this point in my life. We weren't personally friends. <laughs> I was going to say, what? But um, like, I was familiar with like License to don't Drive. I had seen don't Lost hang Boys, out too close Goonies. Corey uh, yeah, no joke. <laughs> Goonies. You know, Gremlins. I knew him as like the, the the funny kid in all these adventure movies, pretty much, right? So to see him in actual peril, also, I think there was an element there that yeah. kind of freaked me out as a kid. And yeah, when I started watching this movie, I'm pretty sure I was his age when he made the movie which also adds something to it. Like you said, the whole kid factor. Something else I noticed, which we pointed out, which kind of shows the importance of having some of this stuff in HD is when you're able to see him breathing when they're closing the, yeah. And the corner's office, which you can never really see on you. Never USA noticed or, that or until VHS. you pointed it out to me. So in that regard, he's not dead yet, which is kind of a That's weird right. thing to think about. I think the best way to put it, which kind of goes on top of your, a couple of you've been saying is that while I think, Friday the 13th, 1980 is the best movie. I do think the final chapter is the best uh, Friday the 13th movie. Yeah. If that makes sense. No, like, that's the, I mm. think that's the distinction. Um, it's, yeah. it, this is the one I would point to. I think this is the one you've been waiting for. Wasn't that the tagline? Yeah, the one you've been screaming for. <laughs> the one you've been screaming for. I wonder if they went back and forth on that. Hmm. <laughs> screaming? Do we want to go there? And I know uh, they're sitting in a trailer while they spelled out the word 13th. Yeah, what was that all about? I don't know. It's too long. <laughs> what the hell's wrong with the titling? And the, they, they needed a, like an SEO manager for this fucking franchise back in the eighties. Uh, yeah, yeah for, like, for, like, there's a couple finals. There's a new. There's two news. Unreal. Like it's confusing to, to chart this stuff out. Uh, listen, I think Ted White is is a great Jason in this. He's kind of a. He seems like a little bit more of a. He's a tall Jason, but he's still slender. Yeah, he doesn't seem quite as as huge. There's he a moves. real aggression to this yeah. Jason too, that yeah. is uh, pleasantly off putting in a way that. A New Beginning is unpleasantly off-putting. <laughs> and uh, yeah, Tom Savini's effects are incredible. And it's funny, I think, that even some of his effects in this, as, as grotesque as they are, even those were dialed down a little bit because of censorship back in the 80s at this point. Um, great ending. I, I, the whole the duo between uh, Trish and Tommy is a great duo as well, yeah. which we don't, we, don't talk about, we don't talk a lot about Trish, I feel, because we're so concentrated on Tommy and his part of his trilogy. Oh, Trisha has one of my favorite lines when I'll g- I'm going to give you something to remember us by. Yeah, it's a great line. And then you believe, you know what else? You believe that that's a family. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. It doesn't feel like they were cast. Like, like you believe that that is a sister and brother, that that is the mother to these two children. Mm-hmm. Anyway, yeah, I love it. I think it's, 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 it's held up ex- extremely well, extremely rewatchable, maybe the most rewatchable of all of them. And that's saying something, because even the bad ones, I think, are pretty rewatchable. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but yeah, that's my, my final word on that. Anybody else have anything final else to add? Final word on the final on, chapter. On the final chapter? I think you did. Yeah. Now, well, Justin, is folks, there a, sorry, is there an, is, did you do like an average? Absolutely not. You can't, it's, it, I did not do an average. <laughs> okay, right. just curious, just curious. Um, I, I'm looking at this and I'm pretty sure we, it would have been like Jason Lives at number one. If you look at the, because four mm-hmm. of us had it at number two. Obviously the Irishman versus number, <laughs> Rothman and <laughs> Bernadette is number Jason. seven. You know, it, it gets a little complicated, you know. What a fun season. This is great. That was, yeah. wasn't it? This is yeah, my favorite season fun. I think so far. And I think this next season, that we'll, which we officially started, I guess, with this episode, is going to be a lot of fun because obviously we're going to cover the four Scream movies, starting with Scream next month. Is that yeah. right? Yeah. 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 February, we're, we're going to kick it all off with, with 1996's Scream. Not Valentine's, um, Scream. And what we're <laughs> going to do, though, in between entries, maybe every two or three months, uh, we're going we're to space it out. So basically, we're going to do a Scream movie every two or three months. Mm-hmm. Whatever gets us through December. Mm -hmm. And so in between, we're going to be covering uh, movies that Randy recommends and his Scream entries. Namely, the first one, I think, is when he really goes to town on some some movies. So, you know, Mike, do you have like the list in front of you? Because I never have the list here. I'm sure we'll be charting it out in no time. But yeah, we're going to be charting it out definitely a little bit more. But I mean, you're going to be able to see here to talk about stuff like Exorcist, you know, Prom Night. Talks about Terror Train, I think, right? Or maybe, maybe not. I think Terror ter- ter- Train is one of the ones that we were kind of debating on yeah. uh, for sure. But yeah, I mean, there, there's a lot. Like the Howling is in there. The Town That Dreaded Sundown. There's, there's a lot of the fog. Even uh, th- there's a lot of classics that we're, we're going to be discussing and we have a long list but i know for sure that we'll we'll be reaching you know something like the exorcist or uh and definitely the town that dried at sundown it'll be fun to do that because in addition to talking about the movies and and specifically why they they reference them in scream sometimes Mm -hmm. it's just because randy likes the movie but sometimes it's because it might deliver into an actual plot point we also go into and actually explore like the exorcist series and the prom night series and kind of talk about those because we're really not going to have an avenue. Like, we're not going to do a Patreon episode on uh, Prom Night for The Last Kiss. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, or what was that? Oh, no. Actually, it's Prom Night 3. <laughs> 3, prom that's part 3. Prom I Night apologize. 4 is Deliver Us from Evil. Deliver it was a Canadian production. <laughs> listen, listen, they were all Canadian productions. You have to be more, just a little more delivered about that. <laughs> yeah, I guess, yeah, they were all Canadian. They were all they? Canadians. Even, even the first one. Yeah. And the second one, of course, was not actually a Prom Night movie until, no. well, like a month before we went to theaters. And they said, eh, let's add the Prom Night Part 2 up in there. Because <laughs> it know. rhymes with Lou. Oh. Um, so it's going to be a great year, and it's going to be a different year, obviously, because of that. But I think it's going to keep things extremely fresh. And when you look at it, movie to movie, the Scream movies have more in common with one another than the Friday movies, Halloween movies, and Nightmare movies. So I think it's good to kind of space those out. I agree. Yeah. In terms yeah. of comparison, oh, because right? the cast keeps returning. Yeah. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. it's the same writer directors for the most part, producers, and everybody behind the scenes, except of course, and we'll get to there later on in the year. Uh, infamously, not including Kevin Williamson as much as they, you know, probably should have. Yeah. We're going to dive into the great legacy of Harvey Weinstein. You know, we're going to really get to the nitty gritty. Oh, Lord. Yeah, we'll talk about other monsters involved in the uh, production inevitably because, hey, we peel back the curtain. 
and when it comes to the, these franchises. Uh, any any final final words before we uh, uh, wrap up this for this month? I mean, I this is our this was our third season. Um, yeah. You know, the second season was really tough, and it was it was coming off of we first off we didn't even know we were going to do it. That's right. Just because if you recall, this was a limited series podcast that we were only doing to build up towards Halloween. And I, you know, as much as I love that first season of Halloween, you know, there was definitely moments, and I'm sure all you listeners know, where we were just like it just wasn't fun because those movies aren't as fun. <laughs> and like for as much as I, I love, you know, I always say, look, my favorite franchise is a nightmare on Elm street. My favorite film is Halloween, but the one that I rewatch the most is always Friday the 13th and just doing this series and especially being in lockdown and us yeah. not being able to actually even watch these movies together. There's a unity that I felt to this season that I just haven't felt since like, you know, even the early, since the earliest days of the, the losers club even. Yeah. And I, and I just love that. I mean, doing these, each of these episodes and listening to them, some of my favorite moments of this pandemic, um, which seems like an oxymoron <laughs> to say, Rank them. Um, the yeah, really was just when the episodes I weren't on being able to be a fan for the first time. Cause this is one of the first seasons where I really did sit back and kind of just got to listen. And, it was, I really get to see, you know, not to toot our own horn, but I really do get to see like the kind of magic of the podcast and every episode I just thought was just fucking stellar and just fun and just so much, so much, like so many great bits, so many good, so much good chemistry. I love the guests that we had. So it just, I don't know, it just rejuvenated the, the energy for not only just the Halloween's, but just podcasting in general. And it was certainly something that got me through this year for sure. So as, yeah. you know, as the new guy, I want to thank everybody for Welcoming on, you know, on staff here, the team for welcoming in this yeah. season. It was a split decision, but but you know, it's like Ty goes to the runner, so you, you got in. <laughs> but I would like to thank all the listeners too for letting me into your homes <laughs> on the thirteenth of every month, much like a vampire. <laughs> yeah, it was obviously it was, it was great having you on Vanderbilt, and to continue on with you going forward, it's been great. Yeah, like you said. You know, you can have a bunch of uh, people that don't know each other and have it be a disaster, right? But it's, it, the chemistry in podcasts is just as important as the chemistry in these movies we talk about, in my humble opinion. Oh, yeah. Dan, Dan Caffrey, I know that you were very reticent to, to, to continue on with the podcast. So <laughs> it's right. Wait, was I? <laughs> no, 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 no. Dan, what did you think about doing it during all this nightmare of the last year? Well, it, it's weird, man, because I think I said this when we first started doing the films. I realized I had not seen a lot of these sequels in full. I'd caught clips of them here and there throughout on the great United Paramount Network growing up and in <laughs> afternoon movies and all that. But so hey, it was fun just realizing that I was watching this for the first time. But I think I I think when we started Friday the thirteenth, that really synced up with like I, I think that was like the very beginning of COVID. So mm-hmm. even just watching these movies yeah. in one thing back to back was so helpful for, for me. And I'm sure, Hey, this ain't psychoanalysis, right? I'm sure, but I'm, I'm sure if I was on that podcast talking about this, you, you, we could pinpoint all those reasons why was because watching people go through worse stuff than a pandemic, like being chased with a murderer <laughs> by a machete. Maybe that made the pandemic easier. Maybe it was just good. Things comfort be worse. Food. <laughs> maybe it, maybe just having it, you know, forcing me to stay connected with my friends. I mean, I know we all talk on text and stuff anyway, but just getting to see faces and, and hear voices, I think during all this with people who, who I don't get to see a lot anyway, because I don't live in the same city. I think all that was helpful. So yeah, I mean, yes, to everything you guys were saying, this really was a, 
and it helped me feel like I was staying creative throughout the year, even when it was hard to stay creative doing other things like writing yeah. and plays and things like that. So yeah, it's been a blast. I'm really looking forward to it. Hey, pandemic ain't over. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> gotta keep seriously. Going. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We'll keep it going here. Uh, Mac. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I agree with all of you. And I, I think that this is one of the last memories I have pre COVID was going over to Mike's and recording, uh, yeah. uh, some of these episodes, especially the first one. And I think we only, didn't we only do the one or two before the pandemic? Just like the I remember watching two. Yeah. We did the, we did the, the, um, the Elm street rankings. We did at Mike's and That's then we right. did, yeah, yeah. All, we all got together to do yeah, Friday 13th the first February. One. I remember doing March. a bunch of the sequels back to back, right. When, when the pandemic started, because it dropped on Friday the 13th mm-hmm. and then that Sunday was when stay at home orders, Yep. Yeah. So I will always remember that weekend. Oh, same. uh, And I'll never forget meeting Mac at my favorite bar that's now closed the night of. And you could tell there was even it was weird, too, because there's two mixed emotions that were going on. One was the fact that like we realized we we were kind of understand like it was almost like the beginning of the stand where it was just like you started seeing some things that you're like wow that's weird like things are kind of closing and it's getting odd but then i wasn't taking it seriously at all yeah i mean it was it was very it. it was very wild and then but also at the same time you could tell we struck a nerve for the first time since maybe the like since definitely halloween where people wanted to talk about this and the fact that it dropped on friday 13th i remember do you remember when shutter did the whole marathon and yeah. it was the great, I mean, during, during the pandemic no it was right it was right it was on that friday the 13th for two of this. and they did the full man the the full marathon for the most part mm-hmm. they dropped them all on shutter that month yeah. too or something like that just, so it just felt like we 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 were we hit a nerve there or in like, the zeitgeist you're in the zeitgeist but at the same time the world was collapsing and I'll just never forget running over and going to Mac to, to, the, to the bar. And this is before we wore masks. This is before anything, really. And it was just like... It was like Larry in the bar calling yes. his girlfriend. Like, so, you know, it was like you could tell something was in the air. Um, that was the last, the last uh, outing. Uh, it was a corridor. And then we went over to the old uh, uh, now not there uh, bar across the street. What, what, like Guthrie's. Guthrie's. I can handle. Guthrie's. Guthrie's, yeah. <laughs> But I will and say then, that I agree with everybody in the crazy. sense that this was truly something that I looked forward to doing yeah. every month. And it gave me, you know, it had that you were propelled to the next episode. And and I, I really do appreciate those things with the pod during this time. You know, it, it kept us uh, the sense of community, the the happy hours, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, definitely. Um, how many happy hours. Like, I don't know. I just I really kind of I think we kind of bonded in a way that we wouldn't have normally bonded. And I know some of us are old friends, but you know, Vanderbilt, it's been really great. Yeah, I'm, the new, on. I'm the new guy still. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> but I mean like having you on like you know permanently on this uh the Friday thirteenth season's been awesome and oh, I think you. uh I really just, do enjoy it. Like just like you said, like it's something to look forward to every month. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm really yeah, excited I, for Scream and I've got a special uh special thing uh waiting for, for when we start promoting scream Ooh, so just God. you guys wait i can't even imagine it's exciting but yeah in addition obviously starting the patreon late last yeah. year and, and already having 100 subscribers is just kind of mind-blowing especially with everything going on and you know i did not expect that to be honest with you to, to have that many people already and so the, and that's why we and we and we we take as much as we joke around we do take all this seriously because we know people are taking a lot of their time i don't want to get too emotional but i remember uh i'm not getting, I'm not getting emotional you know, we were getting emails from people in Italy in May when it was really hitting them hard over there. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that they were listening to our podcast. And you just, it's just, you can't believe 
that uh, that that would be happening. And, you know, in these bleak times, if somebody would actually seek out our podcast to make them feel better and, and actually have it work. But it puts things in perspective in that sense, too. You know, it's like it's just nice to be able to do something like this, you know. And, yeah, I just it's so and fun. There's, there's so many podcasts out there that discuss horror movies. The fact that people come to ours, I mean, I like to think that says something special about us. Yeah. I, I agree. I agree. And I'm really proud of what we do. I'm, I'm looking forward to this year and keeping up the uh, the high energy in this uh, during these times because I think it's it's good to have things to listen to and things to watch and things to hear, which I said twice, but I used a different <laughs> word. And uh, I'm happy that we're able to do – because you know, yeah. we kind of feel helpless at this time too, right? We kind of feel like we're stuck at home. We can't really do much, but – you know, to be able to do something for somebody makes you feel good. At least Tons. it makes me feel good. So yeah. that's how it's I feel a, about it. The escape of it, you know? And I'm just happy to, like, be something that people can escape to for three or four hours yeah. while we discuss four the hours Irishman's on Jason place. X. I mean, what <laughs> better way to spend your weekend? And, you know and I mean? it goes both ways, too. I mean, in, interacting with you all, you mean the listeners, you know, on, on social media, mm-hmm. on Discord, all this stuff. I mean, it, it really you know, that, that makes us feel like it helps us get through it too. Right. Like, the, totally. the, 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 yeah, I don't know. I, I always think about, uh, I can't remember if it was the whole city rock or whatever, some band they were on stage once and you know, they were saying like, Oh, you know, when, when you guys are having a good time, that goes both ways. I mean, we feel, yeah. I think, I think it goes Absolutely. between the, the, because we could just be speaking to the void, but we're obviously yeah. not, you know what yeah, I mean? Totally. And, uh, so it's, it's, always it's a good nice feeling. Interacting with everyone. Well, on that emotional note, this has been an episode of psychoanalysis. And, <laughs> <laughs> and then Larry might come out. Yeah. We, got, we got pretty deep there for a minute there, yeah. but uh, it's good to be honest with our feelings, everybody. Uh, listen, I love you guys. I love everybody listening. Thanks for your continued support. And yeah, if you haven't subscribed already, check us out on uh, patreon.com backslash Halloweenies pod. We've got some good uh, episodes on non-franchise movies and some rather humorous uh, audio commentaries for some really great movies such as Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Halloween, Gremlins, and American Wolf in London so far, with mm-hmm. some special guests. With some special guests. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> some, some long-departed people occasionally One, one special guest in uh, Gremlins that literally had me almost pee my pants. Uh, <laughs> I was laughing so hard. From the spirit yeah. world, Hoyt Axton pops up. So. Oh, yeah. All right, any, all right, so on that note, uh, one last time. Bye, 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 bye. Bye, bye. Bye, everybody. Consequence Podcast Network. Murder in America is a true crime podcast that covers stories from all 50 states, including stories of mass shootings, serial killers, and lesser known murders. Do you find yourself doing more research after listening to a true crime show? Well, Courtney and I used to do the same thing, and that's why we created Murder in America. Our podcast dives deep into each case. Our storytelling will make you feel like you're right there within the case with us, watching it all play out. And we do not shy away from the graphic details. If you're a fan of true crime, then listen to Murder in America on Spotify now.